Hello, hello, friends, and welcome back to another action-packed episode of the Nintendo Gems Podcast. My name is Brayden, and as always, I'm across the table from my lovely brother and co-host, Connor. I do remember we said we were going to stop doing that. Which uh, part? Where we pause and make the other say their name. Do um, we? Yeah, because... <laughs> Because it is difficult. Stay tuned for the next action-packed episode of Nintendo Gems Podcast, where this intro will be super different. Thanks for tuning in. We're no glad problem. To... <laughs> We're glad to be back with you. As always, you know, apologies for the delay in episodes, but mm-hmm. life is busy and this is for fun. It's a lot of fun. But we want to make sure we are putting out quality episodes when we when we finally get back around to it. Of course. And this is quite the behemoth of a game to tackle. We needed kind of as much time to marinate on it, to play it, to give it, like, you know, the man hours, the time it takes to even scratch the surface on it, along with the time necessary to marinate on it and calculate exactly how we feel on it. Because it's pretty complex. We're dealing with, um, I've already said this out loud pre-recording, but sort of an Elden Ring situation where this game is so big in scope and in the hype preceding it. And in its legacy, I think, going forward into the future, that, like, I I feel like this episode will serve as a snapshot, a historic snapshot of how we feel about it right now in the year that it came out. But I anticipate feeling somewhat differently about it, say, five years in the future, you know? Sure, yeah. It's it's a grower, for sure. And, yeah, we, we wanted to get our arms all the way around it, our brains wrapped around what it was that we were playing, experiencing. Because, I mean, it was, what, five, six years of hype? Uh, Six years, yeah. Between Breath of the Wild and the game that we are discussing today, Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Woo! Yeah. Uh, Long time coming. Exactly right. Well, and the other thing is, I mean, at the time of recording, it's been released for about three months and 12 days. Um, Damn. So, like, we... On the dot. On the dot. Quick math, baby. Mm -hmm. And so we, you know, we, we have... We've taken our time. We wanted to get this right and... To call Connor out a little bit, he took his sweet damn time with it. We'll get into it. I mean, I think I've already acknowledged that my opinion on this game is like a little inconclusive going into this discussion because, I mean, spoiler alert, I I beat the game. Mm-hmm. We both beat the we both completed the game, yep. right? Of course, we did. We both completed it. Some of us. May have completed fewer core objectives throughout the course of the game than others. Sure. I won't name names. Okay. Yet. We'll, we'll, but, we'll discuss. Yeah, we'll get into it. Says. Okay, we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get, we'll <laughs> get into you, it. Screw you, man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man. This is uh, this game came out three months ago. It is the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild being one of like, I mean, we've had an episode on it uh, in the relatively speaking recent past yeah big open-ended discussion on the game and its legacy and what we expected for this sequel that came out finally sure i mean breath of the wild was just such a no pun intended a breath of fresh air for the zelda franchise for open world video games video games as like a medium for delivering interactive worlds and like what a player can do in them and Tears of the Kingdom, obviously, along with that, had a lot of a lot to deliver on. Yeah, and and the journey, the journey approaching the release of this game was fascinating and not so tumultuous. I think it, I think it earned its stripes, kind of like on its way to being delivered to us. Like the trailers were just 
magnificent. Absolutely. They captured the same hype cycle that Breath of the Wild did mm-hmm. um, with just like incredible music showing off a lot of like the fancy cutscenes, mm-hmm. hyping up the f- this new threat of Ganondorf coming back. Yeah, yeah. You know, playing some of the Zelda hits. Which was noticeably absent from Breath of the Wild. Exactly. You know, it, it was something that a lot of fans were calling for and mm-hmm. were curious. Well, and, and one of the first trailers... It, it was like this mysterious spooky skeleton guy yeah. uh, just hanging from the ceiling or something like that. And we're like, who is this? Could it be Ganondorf? Is this a new uh, enemy? And so, yeah, they really they built a whole lot of hype around a lot of different aspects, including like they delayed the game mm-hmm. several times. Exactly. Um, I mean, which is par for the course for Zelda games. Yes. Uh, for the big, you know, the big budget 3D Zelda games, like mm-hmm. ever since Wind Waker and Twilight Princess, like I remember <laughs> reading in Nintendo Power that like, Twilight Princess was getting a six-month delay, and it's like, dang it. Yeah. I was looking forward to it. But yeah, the, the slow drip of information that they, you can tell very, like, meticulously executed, like, that first trailer, like you said, with the weird zombie figure that might have been Ganondorf, we weren't sure, mm-hmm. on, like, the very first teaser trailer, and then later on it was confirmed that Ganondorf was in the game, was coming back, and then... There was one trailer that showed off the vehicles right. for the first time, and everyone kind of like took a collective pause and went, "What? Where are we it, going? Yeah, what? What's where? Literally, where are we going with uh. this game? A lot of hints to Skyward Sword, obviously, with the sky. Yep. Um, there. I mean, we could we could go through. I I could sift through all shot by shot what each s- scene in the, the trailers made me feel and think was going to happen. I did not think that it was going to turn into Banjo-Kazooie nuts and bolts, <laughs> even after seeing the the vehicles in the trailer. Yeah. I was like, surely not, but it would be cool. Well, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> you know? that, that, I wasn't, that's was, a choice. Yeah, it wasn't a lament. It was just like a, no way. Mm-hmm. No way that this is the evolution of Breath of the Wild. Like, right. This is the direction they're taking it. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. Three months after release, and it sure... This... This game is a whole lot of things. Yeah. It is even more things than Breath of the Wild was. It is honestly almost just Breath of the Wild with a whole bunch more. With with some different, you mm. know, they the things that would have felt made it feel like overly repetitive, they did adjust. You know, it's a it's the same overworld map, but Things have happened to the world to affect the the playability, the traversal, and so like you know, th- locations both interact and are visually different mm-hmm. than they were in Breath of the Wild. They've added in some key new abilities that make these changes to the world more manageable mm-hmm. um, and and more unique for the Tears of the Kingdom experience. And and the world of Tears of the Kingdom does reflect those changes. I think. <laughs> To kind of kick it off, it I mean, let's be frank. The game follows a lot of the same structural beats as Breath of the Wild. Unvol- yes. What did we What did we end up calling B Dubs? Can we just call Breath of the Wild B Dubs again? Ooh, I like that. Okay, just for sure because yeah. Breath it's, it kind of tongue ties me a little bit. Yeah. Um, B Dubs. It's <laughs> so in Zelda B Dubs, <laughs> yeah. you you wake up. And you are Link, and you wake up, and you wake up in the tutorial area. You go through a series of non-linear challenges to acquire your core set of abilities. Mm-hmm. And then once you acquire all of your abilities are and are like relatively familiarized with them and how they work in the world, 
you are set off to the rest of the game where you have like four or so main core objectives to complete and then you can go to Hyrule Castle and finish the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's dozens and dozens and dozens of side quests. There's a bunch of collectibles. There's ways to upgrade your character. There's stuff to collect, stuff to explore. But Tears of the Kingdom ultimately follows this format. You start out in a tutorial area. It gives you your abilities, which is a different set of abilities than Breath of the Wild. Right. That's very, very refreshing. Yeah, very refreshing and very important. But Tears of the Kingdom, to me, has just a lot more flavor than Breath of the Wild did. Tears of the Kingdom really captured me yeah. at the outset. Yeah. It it has a... It does something a little more cinematic than B-dubs did, where B-dubs kind of opens with like the intro cinematic, and you wake up in the cave, and then you're just kind of playing. Right. But Tears of the Kingdom starts with an interactive storytelling thing where you're going through that cave with Zelda. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you have, like, full hearts and full stamina. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's it's the Metroid-esque. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. You have, like, a fully upgraded character, quote-unquote. And I guess it's kind of it's kind of time to mention that this game does take place story-wise. Like, it's, like, seven years after... It's, like, seven years. It's very, very vague intentionally yeah. so that they can do some other, like, storytelling and world-building mm-hmm. flubs later. Right. They can kind of, like, fudge the numbers a little bit just so, like, some time has passed for some characters and less so than others. Right, right, right. Some characters remember you, some don't. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I thought the intro to the game was very effective. Hooked me. I really love the tutorial area, the Great Sky Plateau. Yeah, it was fun. We both took the day off of work yeah. for the release of Breath of the Wild, and Connor came over to my place, and we sat on the couch, and I, I believe you were on the, the big screen, and I was on my handheld. Or we might have Vice just... versa. Is that right? I got my we... OLED. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you, uh, how... you were flexing the OLED. Three months and 18 days ago to this day? 12. 12 days? Yeah. And so, essentially, we did. We played the Great... It's not the Great Plateau. The um, Great Sky Islands. Yeah, so. right. That's a huge tutorial area Mm -hmm. all of its own. It really set pace for the scale that we were going to expect through the rest of the game. Because, I mean, it it took me my first day of playing to really feel like I had that first tutorial area under control and like I was ready to move on. So, you know, like you said, you get get all your abilities. It really um, leans into you starting to get creative with those and utilize the core mechanics that are going to make up the rest of the game. And so you know, back to the the nuts and bolts, you know, one of the main abilities is the ability to fuse items together. And so it it teaches you to make a little sailboat. Um, It'll give you some logs and a sail, and you connect them all together, and you float across the the pond to get to the other side. I believe you get the ascend ability there, which, if you're ready, I don't know, if I'm... We can, we yeah, we might might as well launch into the abilities. Speeding through a little too quickly for you, but... uh, yeah, so the, the the ultra hand is the is the ability that's kind of like magnesis. Mm-hmm. In in B dubs, you have the magnesis ability, which lets let you like pick up and manipulate metal objects. Right. And in this game, you can pick up and manipulate any object, mm-hmm. any physics object in the game. You can you can move around, you can rotate it, and you can attach it to any other object in the game, which is ridiculous. Yeah. And that's like Raiden said, how you make the sailboats and stuff. And then there's fuse, mm-hmm. which lets you attach any of those objects to your weapons. Yep. Uh, And so if you attach, like, I don't know, a a stick to your stick that you're already holding, it will increase its attack power, but also give it some extra reach. Mm -hmm. And 
etc. You can attach a boulder to your stick and it'll make it a hammer and give it like striking properties. Yeah. Uh, you can attach like a ruby to it and it'll give it fire properties. There's yeah. elemental stuff. Um, and then Braden already mentioned ascend, which is low key my favorite ability. It is so. I, it's too early to lavish it so much. I, yeah, I, I yeah, will yeah. get to it. Yeah. But in function, it just lets you pass through any ceiling that's above you. Yeah. So if you're in a cave, um, you'll use Ascend, and you will rise through to the surface, mm -hmm. um, the next ground-level surface that is essentially a floor. Yeah, very useful, very unique, and we we will discuss that further. Yes. And I guess, is it is it the final ability, sort of, is um, Recall? There's one that you get once you make it to the ground. Right. Um, and so, I, but I do think you get Recall... In, you get it in the sky. I in know. the sky. You get recall, and it's it's almost the most like one of the more I don't know. They're all so ambitious. Mm -hmm. All these abilities are such huge, ambitious undertakings from like a game design standpoint. But any beside the point, recall um, it lets you select any object, mm -hmm. and it simply goes back in time and reverses its, reverses its trajectory. It's yeah. It's course of movement it yeah. will reverse itself and so if, if it's as simple as like a tree falling over you can use recall on it and it'll stand itself upright mm. i don't know if that's physically possible within the, <laughs> the the actual course of the game but like that's that's the idea that's the mental image to give right or if like a boulder is is like rolling down a hill exactly uh, you can hit recall on it and it will roll back up the hill mm -hmm. um etc and each ability feels like like a debug tool. Oh, yeah, they're all dev tools. Like, yeah. it's crazy. I, I don't remember if it's a rumor or something, or if it's straight out of an interview, but you've mm -hmm. heard that, like... It, Ascend? Yeah, it started as, like, a like a dev tool. Uh -huh. Like, the, the developers were using it to, like, debug stuff and, like, get around the map quickly, and then they just thought it was a good idea and <laughs> stuck it in the game. Let's make some puzzles around mm -hmm. this. Let's, let's implement this. Thank God they did. Yeah. So that's, like, your core suite of abilities. Beyond that, everything's the same. I mean... More or less the same as B dubs. You can climb every surface. You got your mm -hmm. stamina, your hearts. You have the paraglider. Well, well, that's oh, I think that's what I'm thinking of that you don't get in the Sky Islands. Oh, um, you you get the paraglider once you make it down into uh, Traverse Town. That's a uh, Kingdom Hearts. I'm pretty sure. Um, lookout point. Lookout landing. Lookout landing. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, and I mean we're kind of skirting around something pretty huge too. You do start the game in the sky. Right. You are not in Hyrule. At, I mean, you're in you're under Hyrule Castle in like a little beginning like cutscene, but the game starts proper. The tutorial starts proper with you in these floating islands that are in the sky, and when you step out, you see yourself like you know a mile above Hyrule, and mm -hmm. you look out in the distance, and there are hundreds of floating sky islands peppered across the horizon of Hyrule, and it's like what's going? And Hyrule Castle is in the middle, in midair too. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Everything, a bunch of stuff has just kind of like started like floating above the land and it's a pretty, it's an extremely striking visual. Yes. That's the flavor I'm talking about is like off the bat, it is just more appealing visually, aesthetically, feelily mm -hmm. <laughs> than Breath of the Wild. Vibes, me. baby. I mean, yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the music while you're on the, Shoot. yeah. They, I, they stepped up the music. We'll get into it too, but across the board, the music is more engaging, more memorable, mm -hmm. more melodic. B-dubs was 
one of the more um, common criticisms lobbed its way from like at least Zelda fans that are used to strong melodies and stuff. Yeah, was how minimal the soundtrack for Beatums was. Mm-hmm. Um, intentionally so, you know, meticulously minimal. Yeah. Uh, but this one, Tears of the Kingdom, certainly has a more engaging soundtrack most of the way through. Sure. Um, and the, the Great Sky Islands are no exception. I love that music. Mm-hmm. Love the atmosphere. The color palette is gorgeous. The yellow yeah, trees the, and stuff. The golden fields. Yeah. Uh, it's all it's all so tasty. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So so sky. So already there's a change to the map. Yeah. This is this is a sequel to the Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. but in what way is kind of the it's kind of the question that we were at we were all asking ourselves on the road to release of this game is like is this going to have the same map as breath of the wild mm-hmm. is it going to follow the same structure is it going to go back to conventional like seven dungeons right that was dungeons? that was a really big point of discussion it was totally. just uh yeah because I, I mean it that it, that was also a fairly common complaint people didn't universally love the four uh themed elemental objectives the um the divine beasts were not you know totally appreciated as supposed to be the greatest challenges in the game mm-hmm. you know they... not not universally at least i'm i'm a little lukewarm on the divine beasts yeah. in in breath of the wild i don't hate them they're they're functional they're functional but they are short and they're um simple mm-hmm. and and people were pretty convinced at least in the the spheres that i was engaging in that we were going to go back to dungeon style temple style level design and that you know we we would have to we would have small keys and we would have boss dungeons and that did not pan out to be reality um Mm. in fact it it did lean a little bit closer to what breath of the wild did uh b-dubs i i I should (laughs) i'm 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 not using that term right but tears of the kingdom did it, it it has gone back to the four elements uh essentially the same four locations as B-Dub, and whether that's a hit or a miss um, is something that we we ought to discuss. Yeah, I, I think off the bat, I mean, I, I do want to emphasize that, like, when you, when you step out onto the Great Sky Islands at the very beginning for the tutorial, it's clear that the map is different. Mm-hmm. You, it gives you a sense that the map, the, the Hyrule that you know from Breath of the Wild has possibly more or less like doubled in size because there's a whole new sky layer to Mm -hmm. it however what becomes quickly apparent after you complete the tutorial you follow the story this uh, we'll get into how we feel about like the story beats and the the new characters and such in in a little bit i'm sure i'm certain but once you complete and you descend to the surface of hyrule it becomes quickly apparent that things are pretty darn different pretty darn similar hyrule is similar but once you get down to the surface, you start noticing these huge gaping chasms that are in the ground. So you, you mentioned the Sky Islands are a mile off of the ground. Mm. These chasms seem to go for a mile yeah. underground. At, at first glance, and they're, they're covered in this, this uh, there's a new sort of mechanic called gloom. Right. There's this toxic substance. It's kind of just like the goo from Super Mario Sunshine a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it, it has a really neat impact on your your health as well mm. it, it not only it will damage you but then it makes it where that heart can't be replenished unless you are uh refreshed by light if, if you're on the surface and touching this gloom it'll your hearts will auto generate it, it depletes your maximum health yeah if you if you are this goo substance this gloom is like kind of like slathered on like some parts of the world 
just like on the ground and on walls. And if you are exposed to it, it depletes your maximum health, mm-hmm. which is a fascinating mechanic. I love it. Yeah, it's I cool. love that. And then yeah, and if you're on the surface and you're if you, if, you're, if you're in the sunlight, those max hearts come back. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you eat special food, sure, cook special food. But these chasms, uh, they're covered in gloom, and they're just these big gaping holes, these fissures in this on the ground. Mm-hmm. And if you hop down one, you will quickly no- quickly notice that the map of Hyrule has like maybe kind of like actually doubled and a half in size. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, um, there is an entire underground map that is equal in size to the surface Hyrule called the depths and which is crazy because they did not advertise this right. before release mm. they they managed to keep this whole portion of the game portion of the map more or less secret from the masses that there's essentially an entire map of hyrule underneath the map of hyrule right which it's so it's so it's such a it's so fascinating there's layers to this because mm. like you said they they did not allude it's a huge aspect of the game. Let's just, yeah. for the record, there's an entire second map underground like yeah. of, an, of an already enormous map, an enormous in-game world that is historic. I mean, you know, Breath of the Wild changed the game in that regard, and they did it again, and then made another one. <laughs> they put the same one in the game, and then made another one, and stuck it underneath. Yeah. And they went heavy with, like, the sky. In the marketing, right? That that was the obvious stuff. It was like Ooh, you get to explore the sky. There's sky islands above Hyrule now. Uh, that's the new. That's the newness of the map. Uh-huh. You know, that's the cool stuff. Yeah. And then they showed the vehicle stuff. But you're right. They they totally never showed the underground in any of the marketing, which is crazy mm-hmm. and such a huge chest thumping uh, <laughs> challenge, I guess, to expectations. Right. To players' expectations. Such a power... It's a power move. It really... Yeah, it it was a big flex from Nintendo. And it's funny how it panned out that the sky... Like, the islands in the sky are almost... Not almost. They are clearly less significant (laughs) in scale, in size, almost in importance than the depths. Yeah. Well, well, I don't know. Importance, I might disagree with you. Um, Okay. that, That could be fair. Importance to, like... Moving on in the story, the Skylands, I do feel like, are more important. But scale-wise, like there, there is much less to interact with in the sky than the actual depths. You know, I, they, I feel like they put more effort into the depths. I, we, we will return to this point. Bookmark, bookmark this, because I still kind of disagree. We're, we're both sort of consciously watching i think how immediately critical we're being of this game sure because we don't get us wrong we have plenty of criticisms to lob its way yeah and it and it earns quite a bit of criticism but we're still kind of painting the picture of how impressive this game is right at the outset yeah um i disagree i i think the sky and the underground are of about equal significance Mm -hmm. and and we'll get to that but I think it's fascinating just to just to cap off an earlier point that the underground was never mentioned. Do you think it has anything to do with Elven Ring? In what way? I think I wonder who had the idea first because Elven Ring and Tears of the Kingdom were both like in development at the same time. Right, right. And Elden Ring took obvious influence from Breath of the Wild. Sure. Obvious. 
You know, it's Dark Souls, but it's Breath of the Wild. Like, right. We know this. And I don't know. The, when, when Elden Ring unveils its underground, that's a moment, too. Yes. That's something you don't see coming and kind of... It was a significant revelatory moment for a lot of people. Uh-huh. That, like, this game's big. Yeah. And I just, I wonder if that influenced whether they whether they even decided to market the underground for Tears of the Kingdom. Sure. Or if it influenced what the underground meant in Tears of the Kingdom. Or if they, like, held it close to the chest because they knew it would... It's almost more impressive than Elden Ring's uh, underground in some ways. Yeah. I don't know. It's just interesting. It's just a, such a huge element of the game totally hidden from public perception until the game came out which is just rare for anything yeah i think it's funny i think elden ring embraced the breath of the wild comparisons mm-hmm. but i don't think tears of the kingdom wanted elden ring comparisons. exactly i agree you know I, that's that's what i think but i but i i don't know i wonder if they truly like reserved themselves for that reason or if it was just like just because right right i don't know just interesting sure so, continuing with the main elements of the game, we got the surface, we got the depths, we got the sky, we got the four points of interest on the map, right? Um, which I found less compelling. Oh, also, well... Yeah, no shit. <laughs> well, okay, before that, um, I found it... You can miss the paraglider very easily. <laughs> yeah, you can. First of all, <laughs> you can miss the paraglider very easily. They do not force it upon you when you leave the tutorial area like B-dubs. Uh-huh. You descend to the surface of Hyrule and you're let loose in Hyrule uh-huh. before you get before they give you the glider. You have to talk to a character yeah. like as part of the main quest sort of to acquire the paraglider, which I don't like. I mean it's not only because I missed it for a while. <laughs> um and same for a couple of the other like core not core abilities, but like a few important abilities. Mm-hmm. Um sort of like convenient ones right the camera included you have to do as part of a really annoying yeah really annoying quest. quest yeah i don't know what what are you what do you what say this might be a ramp into some of the more critical conversation but just uh overall once you land on the ground a lot of it really does feel pretty similar in my view to breath of the wild you know um the gameplay mechanics are more or less the same um you you have a sword weapon, you have a spear weapon, and you have, like, a a, a heavy sword, a broad sword. Two, two-handed sword. Two, yeah, two-handed, there you go. And your bow, as well, which always feels good. Uh, that, that's something they really did well with mm-hmm. in Breath of the Wild, and, and obviously it feels just as good in Tears of the Kingdom. But um, you you can capture horses and ride them around the, the map to get from point A to point B a little bit quicker. Um, you can use your... Ultra Hand. Ultra Hand to uh, build some vehicles, and you you have this interesting battery mechanic where uh, you can power these vehicles um, and have them move with, you know, whatever magic electricity is going through you, but um, only for a limited time. Um, This battery is something that you can expand as the game goes on, and so you can can move these vehicles for longer. And so, like, the Zonai is... Mm. Zonai is not a word that we've used yet, but um, they are this ancient race of. You mean the Sheikah? Sure, I don't. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I I'm being facetious. I don't know if we'll have time to get in all the way into it. But Breath of Tears of the Kingdom is it makes 
the story context with Breath of the Wild a little complex because the Sheikah are basically not mentioned. Uh-huh. And the Sheikah were the ancient technology people in Breath of the Wild, but now it's the Zonai. Right. Um, Who are the most ancient Hylians. Yeah, even more ancient and even more technologically advanced mm-hmm. um, than the Sheikah in the first game. But yeah, the Zonai have developed this technology with the battery pack and uh, go on. Well, and so you, you can acquire these. It's, it's like a vending machine. It's like a gumball machine. Um, and so you, you acquire these Zonai artifacts. And so they're, they're pre-built technology. And so like the most common, I feel, that people use are either wheels or fans. To um, Wheels obviously get around on the ground and you can attach four wheels to any random plank of wood that you find. A, to... a tree trunk, a boulder, some um, in the in the game story. We used to ride these babies for miles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, you can throw four wheels on a boulder, put a, a steering stick on it, and you can drive it around like a car. Yeah, and, but and it... fans are useful if you need to a take off from the ground. You can, but or if you're trying to go from one cliff face to another, you know, across two mountains, you know, fans. Mm. Again, those were my probably two most commonly used. Um, Zonai devices is what they're called, mm. and and you can build almost anything you need to using those core items. True for transportation, at least. Sure. You know, and the game is pretty liberal with how with these devices and like vehicle building materials in, in the con in like the the story of the game. Hyrule is rebuilding, mm-hmm. and there's this company that's showed up called Hudson. Mm-hmm. Hudson Construction. Hudson Construction, and they've left like building materials like all over Hyrule that you can. Uh, sort of put together and attach and like they sort of left like raw building materials all over Hyrule for I mean the player to yeah. use um so in the can... context of the world it's like oh did you did the great uh calamity like destroy your house here build a new house but right. but you get to use them for whatever you need yeah you can use ultra hand to assemble them together and these zonai devices that you kind of collect around the world as well you can attach them to those make a little wooden cart throw a fan on it some some bigger <laughs> tires, zoomies, some zoomies, and then you can get around Hyrule in style, or you can make a plane even, you know, uh-huh. if uh, if you're taking off from in the air. the The battery pack thing, the battery level, essentially functions as a third stat, sure, almost in addition to health and stamina, a third like upgrade sort of. It's pretty at- stupid, dude. It's stupid for criticism number one. Okay, let's let's, let's talk about okay expanding your battery. Okay, this is. This might be a bigger, deeper topic than you think. Do we want to? Do we want to get into it? I don't know where you're gonna go, but sure. I'm this ready. is. Can I curse? I did. This is some Sonic Frontier. Sonic Frontiers. That's what it's called. You I got the name. Right. I got the name right on the first try. <laughs> this is some Sonic Frontiers ass number like shit. Uh huh. Um, what what do you what what say you? And then and then I I, I want to. There's a there's a huge formula to this. That's obnoxious well i i mean i yeah i would like to just briefly describe how obtuse it is to expand this battery um <laughs> which and for the record you know hearts mm-hmm. it, it this this game has the same structure as beat-ups right mm-hmm. hearts stamina right. uh the world is peppered with shrines you complete yep. the shrines the shrines are based around your new abilities shrines fantastic shrines in this are game lovely fantastic shrines are so much better in this game and i i mean they're better i would say than beat-ups i think so they're so you can approach them from whatever angle you mm. feel appropriate. You can basically break them and just well, ascend through half the crap. If you can manage to stick something in the right place, you can you can fuse a ramp together. You can tackle them in so many diverse ways. Yeah, with with these game dev ass abilities that the game has 
graced you with. Obviously, these shrines and their puzzles have multiple bizarre solutions yeah. that you are not always certain the developer intended. But classic, you complete four, uh, you get an upgrade to your hearts or your stamina. Yes. Right? Yep. And then now we have a third meter, a third gauge, your mm-hmm. battery, which has a much more obtuse upgrade system. Right. You, do you want to give it a shot? Um, so uh, I am a little rusty. It's I, I dumped 150 hours into this game, but over the course of the month post-release. And so I honestly have not dipped back into it um, much, if at all in the last two months. And so I, I, you know, some of this is going off of memory, but so you find this ore called Zonite that is peppered typically throughout the depths, but only in the depths. The, it's on the, it's in the sky islands every That's once in true. a while. It's um, rare though. Yeah. But, but you, you are rewarded for exploring the depths by being able to break this ore that contains Zonite. Um, once you have collected 100 pieces of this ore, you have to go to one of three, maybe four. No, in the depths, there's quite a few. Um, but they're hard to find, and the depths are hard to navigate. Yes. Um, but you go to these forges, essentially. These Are, well, the, are these forges or crystal refineries? Because there's two different places you have to go. Yeah, see, I'm trying... Yeah, I'm, I'm getting there, but like... I mean, I'm trying to help you. Yes, But yes. I'm also like trying to illustrate how obtuse this is. You are... You are you know you are uh, helping tremendously um because yes you go to one of these crystal refineries which in essence is a forge of sorts and you trade in 100 of these zonite ore for one battery charge i don't think that's quite not even yet you're not even there you no skip... no but but like what is it what uh i know i'm it's... not there yet but but you you trade in 100 of these for one of another item it's for refined zonite. Refi- is that what it's called? Or crystal? Lar- crystal? Lar- no, because there is large zonite, which counts as like three smaller zonite or something. Well, you like mine that. the zonite ore, and it's zonite, and mm-hmm. then you take it to a refinery, and it's refined zonite. So it's like the triangle-looking one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not that's not one hundred for one. Uh-huh. You have to you have to ex- you have to take your mined zonite, and mining's not fun, by the way. No, that's the most important part. My, it's 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 just like Minecraft. Like mm-hmm. it's just like you're using one of your weapons to like bash a mining um what do you call it node mm-hmm. in the world, and you pick it up like normal items, which does degrade your weapon, by the way. And it does, and it wastes you. Yeah, it's wastes wastes your weapon degradation. Um, but you so you mine it, and then you take it to the refinery. Mm-hmm. And remember, that's like the kind of like the shop. You spend your ore zonite to trade for you the get refine. like a crystal charge. Or yeah, something. and then it's one hundred of those that yes. you take to a different place yes maybe that's the where for- the forges is yeah forge comes in which it, and those have their other locations their uh, their own separate few locations in the entire game world yes one's in the sky one's there are a few down below it there's one at one, lookout landing right yeah there's one right by lookout landing which i didn't even know for most of my playthrough <laughs> yeah, i remember so I was like, telling <laughs> you and you're like well damn it because it's around it's like behind it yeah it's like i don't know man so and then and then right and then so you have your you exchange your zonite for refined crystallized zonite or whatever, and then you need 100 of those yeah. to take to the forge construct to upgrade your battery. By one segment. By one... Each battery has three little... Notches? Notches. Yeah, that's a good word. You, you, and... you imagine like a battery icon on like a phone or like mm-hmm. on like a... 
uh, even on your Switch, like your your Joy-Con's battery, there are three little notches on the mm-hmm. battery, and three is full, one's like red, and you know. Yeah. And so you you mine the zonite, you refine it, you spend one hundred of those to get one notch on your battery life. Yeah. So oh, I don't know. We just spent five minutes trying to describe how to upgrade your battery, and it's it is exactly as complicated and frankly annoying as it probably sounded for us to try and explain it. It takes five minutes to explain it. It takes way longer to figure it out in game hours. And the the biggest problem with it is, is that this is a very core function to what they are wanting us to take advantage of with this whole ultra hand fuse, make your own vehicle ability. Um, Because you want to build cool things. You want to make, I mean, at this point, we've all seen the the mecha constructs that people have created that just have flamethrowers coming out of their hands. They have, you know, laser beams, they're rolling around on l- wheels and hovercraft. And But every tiny little addition that you add like that drains more battery mm-hmm. and makes the devices drain your battery more quickly. At the start of the game, you, you can barely get a hovercraft to float for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And even by the end of the game, if you're creating these more complex devices with with weapons or multiple wheels and fans, etc. There, there are dozens of Zonai devices. There are cannons, there are lasers, there's, I don't know, rockets, yeah. there's you, floating platforms that you can activate, there's time bombs, there's, mm-hmm. there, in terms of transportation, combat, and just weird utility, odd utility yeah. The Zona devices have, there are many, many different kinds, and they all have a lot of wildly varying function. And the ceiling that the game, like, the, the game lets you attach pretty much as many of them together mm-hmm. as you can. Right. Uh, I don't know if the, how quickly the game crashes if you attach 50 <laughs> rockets to each other. Right. Uh, I haven't tried it, but I've seen some pretty crazy stuff online. Yeah. But it's all limited by this battery. Right. It's You start the game with three notches, right? Mm-hmm. One battery icon. Right. Um, and yeah, if, if you build, for example, a car with four wheels and a fan, it won't get you very far because no. your battery is so low. And, and any, any Zonai device that you attach to a construct, uh, an, an invention, a vehicle, the more Zonai devices that take the battery that you attach, the faster your battery depletes. Right. Um, which, in theory, I think makes sense. It's it's a logical choice. Mm-hmm. The idea and the actual practice between... Sorry, side tangent. You get this skill called auto-build, where essentially you can access a catalog of pre-designed devices and vehicles and things like that that the developers have given you, as well as you can access things that you've previously constructed. And so you can quickly just press a button and it reassembles things that you've you've built in the past and so that does save time in the long run but the ease of that and how much the developers want you to access Mm. these built constructed i typically did vehicles and so i just i I, i'm my brain goes to vehicles Mm. i didn't do many weapons i suppose it's a huge part of the game that is so hard to make common use of due to the limitations of this battery skill it, Something doesn't square in my brain. I it, It's tragic because I can see it working. It's all in the elegance, or rather inelegance, of the incorporation of the underground, the acquisition of the materials needed, 
and that bizarre, crucial extra step between mining and refining. Right. So it's it's almost like, if, if we're getting into it, let's jump right into it. The underground almost does not justify itself existing. That was where I least enjoyed spending my time. <laughs> I, I have more of the underground map uncovered than I do of the surface okay. in my playthrough. Fair enough. Which is hilarious to me. <laughs> um, and, you know, when we first mentioned it, it's like, when, when we were like getting into the, the core layout of the game, it's like, it's so cool. Wow. It's, impre- it's huge. It's, 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 it is huge. There's a whole other layer of the map. And it's impressive. And mm-hmm. it's fascinating. And it's interesting for a while. But it's... It has to wrap. It has to justify existing. It can't just be cool. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. It's it's unfathomable that there's a whole other map right. under the map. But what's in it? What what can you do in it? And, and the, the answer is not many things. Right. There are things, and they are there are a lot uh, of things. There's elements that will assist the rest of your playthrough, but not much that is core to the experience. Like a lot of the game, though, and like a lot of Breath of the Wild, even, you can, part of the design core of the games is that you can kind of, you can skirt a lot of the game if you want to, to to complete it. You practically don't have to visit the underground to beat this game. Right. There are a few, a few of um, the core story dungeons take you underground, like the dungeons themselves are in the underground map, but that's pretty on rails, how it takes you down there. The, I mean, spoilers, the final challenge is found underground as mm-hmm. well. Like where you, the the place you go to fight Ganondorf. Right. A la Hyrule Castle and B-dubs. But essentially, like what, what peppers, what fills the underground map, the way it rationalizes existing is the Zonite. Mm-hmm. You you mine Zonite down there. That's where it grows. So that's where you get it. The Pose? I don't, I don't really feel like getting into that yet. It's... If at all, it's... I, I want to. Okay. Because it also helps justify the underground. But to, it's so big, it's so big and so vast that they had to fill it with something. And mm-hmm. I think it just had to be noise. Yeah. At some point. Because at some point it stops being significant. Mm-hmm. And it had to just be numbers, zonite mining. One of the... And, and sorry, just a, just a... It's dark down there. Yes. You cannot see in the underground. Well, that's interesting. I like that. It's cool... But you are throwing these seeds that glow mm-hmm. every 10 seconds of movement so as to create a lit path. Um, and so they've created this new item called Bright Bloom Seeds that you, you can attach to arrows. You can, you can throw them, whatever method you'd like. And they create a, a sphere of light so that you can see a certain distance. Mm-hmm. And the, the depths are very mountainous as well. Um, there's lots of cliff faces and so if you can't just wander around in the dark or you'll bump into something or walk into some gloom and your health will deteriorate um and so it it is yes both interesting and well executed it's different and cool that it's dark but also it makes the depths that much more repetitive perhaps yes the the means the means for their existence is interesting it is dark. The light mechanic is interesting. The the seeds you throw around to illuminate most of the surface of the depths is covered in the gloom, the walls, the ground. Mm-hmm. And so that facilitate and with like the big open weirdly shaped environments underground, it emphasizes vehicle travel. Right. That's where like vehicles are like kind of most at home in a way. Mm-hmm. Like you're supposed to make like kind of big 
off-road big rigs and stuff to get pat to get around to traverse the underground. Sure. And you can attach lights to them to, so that you can see. Or the fan favorite hover bike. Or the fan favorite two, hover bike. Two fans and a control steering stick. I mean, it's 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 interesting stuff down there. Yeah. All the enemies inflict gloom damage so that when you get into combat, they take down your max health. Right. Every shrine. This is interesting. Okay. This it's cool. all interesting. This is neat. Yeah, every shrine on the surface has an analog underground. Yeah. They're called light roots and they they're almost the same thing. I mean, they're not they're not actually not at all the same thing. They're just like these nodes underground that are in the same positions as the shrines on the surface. You activate them and they illuminate that area of the underground so that you don't have to use lights, you don't have to use seeds. Um it's bright and also it heals all of your gloom damage so you get your max health back. Mm-hmm. So nice little checkpoints as you are exploring mm. the the depths a, a few other things that they use to fill out the underground are yiga clan bases the yiga clan is back with a vengeance better and than ever kind of actually yeah the yiga clan bases are cool they're driving around zonai vehicles and you have to take them out and when you conquer a yiga clan base you get a new uh schematic for your audio auto build and i'm sorry can, just to pause on the yiga do you remember what happened to Koga? Koga? Yeah, do you remember what the what Koga's demise is in Breath of the Wild? Yeah, he falls in a hole. He falls. It, it feels like such a natural progression of mm-hmm. like what the Yiga clan has come to. Mm-hmm. It's really intelligent, in my opinion, actually. Yeah, it's great. And, I mean, they're literally hiding underground. Yeah. You know? They've been, they've been sent. The Yiga clan stuff is cool. Pepper's the underground. There's a collectible scattered across just the ground, kind of like, I don't know, any, like, rings and Sonic. But they're very arbitrarily. Extremely arbitrarily. They're Pose. And they're called Pose just because of Remember Zelda. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you can pick up these spirits. They're just little glowing orbs all over the ground of the the depths. And you can trade them into these huge statues underground called Bargainer Statues. And essentially you can get like some unique items for them. Right. Uh, the underground is also home to... The legacy Link costumes, like the green Link costumes from the old game, like the all the amiibo costumes from Breath of the Wild, essentially are yeah. now accessible in game without the need for DLC or amiibo. Which feels like the biggest rationalization for the underground. Yeah, it's it's the thing that I was exploring the underground to and it's find. The crappiest armor too, though, and it is not always worth it. But it it looks cool. It does. I think I wish that they had incorporated some of the underground elements. Like the Bargainer statues, like the Yiga stuff, the vehicle emphasis, I wish that they'd just incorporated into the surface somehow into, into a more organic way. Yeah. And also there's just like too many numbers. Yeah. My the, the Sonic Frontiers comparison was that in Sonic Frontiers, like you had to like, you had to, what'd you have to do? You had to like collect gears to open the portals and then the portals you get little character tokens you care yeah memory tokens memory tokens and then you had to in in the levels you had to collect a certain amount of things Uh and then when you get a certain amount of things you could fight the boss just a lot of currencies yeah and in tears of the kingdom there's way too many currencies Mm -hmm. the fact that you have zonite ore and refined zonite and battery packs and the pose and rupees still yep and there's something on in the sky, isn't there? Well, the, uh, there is an interesting collectible up there that in, that upgrades your uh, your sages. Oh, the sages will. Yeah, I haven't gotten to the sages yet. Yeah, no. I I don't know. I the it's it's pretty. It, I felt very frustrated with a lot of it. It felt like noise. It felt like filler. It felt like 
a waste of time a lot of the time. And mm-hmm. I wish that they just made, if if it's all a means to an end to just like, here's a way to upgrade your battery, or here's a way to give you the Zelda costumes, or mm-hmm. to give you like vehicle schematics. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's not That's not justified it. enough. It's Yeah, it's not a strong enough means. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the solution is, but it's just like, it's just a part of this game being bigger almost than it needs to be. Yeah. Sages? Is that next? Do you, or is there anything else you're thinking about the underground? I feel like we'll, we might return to it because... Yeah. Well, and so we we certainly expanded the whole uh, Zonite battery charge criticism. Because mm-hmm. in my brain, I'm like, all right, criticism number one. Right. Done. Well, um, and, but, and... but it all does include itself sure and include they all include each other totally Um, it's yeah it all influences it's you can tell it's all an attempt at elegance because it's like here's a reason here's a reason to go underground is to upgrade your battery here's an a reason to visit different locations is to find your forge your the forge construct Mm -hmm. here's a reason to go to the yiga places to collect schematics auto build schematics kind of like a reference to make other auto build creations also the auto build requiring zonite sucks oh yes that sucks. Yes. Because, and the acquisition of Zonite is honestly the worst part. The fact that it's just mining. It's just mining. And You're it's just, bo- and it's, mining is not any different than finding rubies or sapphires. It's just yeah. these, these, it's just these little rocks that are underground that, again, you take a, a hammer to a couple times, they break, and then you pick them up. And so it's not any kind of interesting... But each zone, each of those rocks only drops like three or four zonite. Yeah. And you need a whole bunch to make the refined stuff. Yeah. And then you have to take the refined stuff to another place. And it's just like, why? Yeah. And and again, to, to bring it full circle, like that vehicle, the cool, awesome, impressive, fascinating vehicle mechanic that they've so meticulously, lovingly made work in this huge game. Mm-hmm is just hard to use because there's this like barrier of entry, this barrier of noise, of nonsense, of like, gotta mine this stuff. Like, why not just tie it to like an actual challenge in right. the game, like a shrine or a comp, even a comp, like just make it a reward for clearing an enemy base. Give me a battery thing, you know? Uh, sure. Eliminate the entire underground, make those rewards for the enemy bases on the surface, mm-hmm. a Zonai battery, and you've got a better game. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know. And and yet again with the vision of elegance that you can tell that they put into it in the same way that like you can't take on as hard of challenges when you're low on hearts. You can't climb as high when your stamina is low. Mm-hmm. You're not really intended to make huge complex contraptions at the beginning of the game sure. before you've got a bigger battery. Fair enough. It's a, it is an attempt at a natural way of making the game more complex as it goes on. Make you feel more powerful as you're playing. Exactly. That's the that's the clear intention. It just doesn't work in execution all the way. There's, okay, one just slightly interesting, and I don't understand, like, the logic behind it. I don't, but it, once I figured it out, I did, it gave me an excuse to go to the depths. Did you notice, do you know, that when you break a weapon on the surface that is either rusty or, what, what's the... Is it corroded? Something like whenever, that. Whenever the gloom came through the surface of Hyrule, it, it degraded all the weapons. And, and so they all break pretty quickly, and, and they're not as powerful. If you break one on the surface, and you go to the depths, do you know those statues that are holding the weapons? Yeah. They are... No. Re- yes, they are the respawned, fully... Restored. Restored versions of the weapons that you've broken on the surface. No. I'm pretty confident, yes. Where'd you... How do you know that? 
I both noticed, I feel like I read it somewhere, and I don't think it has anything to do with your exact location either. I think okay. it's I think it's even a little more arbitrary than that. It's just like just okay, kind of... you break one, and then the next statue you come across, it's it's the restored version of the spear that you broke. Um, huh. But I'm pretty sure that's the mechanic at play with those statues in the depths. That sounds crazy, but I buy it. Yeah. I thought they were just kind of around the field bosses. Or like, a, just kind of like peppered. They're, they're kind of like a warning that like a, a combat is Oh, close. interesting. Is what I know, the pattern that I noticed is that those things are usually... Sur- in the vicinity of like a big bot, like a right, boss right. in there. No, but, I just I don't just, know. That makes sense too. I, yeah, you don't. But take I never our, noticed it. Don't take either of our word for which of those <laughs> is actually the correct, true uh, purpose. But um, I'm pretty sure that's that some version of what I just said is the <laughs> truth. From there, should we move into kind of the story elements, the uh, the sages? You know, I I think the greatest umbrella to put it under would be the story beats. Totally, you know, to a degree. I th- yeah, I think this is a good time for that, and I think it's, I mean, worth noting off the bat for us right now, the word sages, that makes that makes our brains tingle a little bit, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it's... This this game, I, I both love and am so, and I'm just kind of hurt by how much <laughs> it wields notable I- Zelda iconography and like... Vocabulary. Jingles the keys in front of my face, you know? <laughs> it's... Like, like, let's just get it. Like, it. The sages are back. The sage. There's a sage of light, a sage of fire, a sage of water. Mm-hmm. Much like other Zelda games, the dungeons are, in fact, this time around, the fire temple, the water temple. You know, right. just like the other Zelda games. Ganondorf is back, obviously. Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's so much. They brought back the Zelda flavor uh, in a lot more full swing in this game than in Breath of the Wild, which got me. Uh-huh. For a while, for a long time, uh-huh. until I mean, you know, until past like the hundred hour mark or so, when I got like a little tired of it and started realizing that it wasn't. I I I, I came out of it just wishing kind of that they called everything maybe something else and not tried so hard mm-hmm. to capitalize on it. Right, it felt a little uh, exploitative to us. Yeah, I mean, a little shallow. If you've played Ocarina of Time, all of these words are very triggering. Mm. You know, they are... The, the first new character you meet in this game is named <laughs> Raru, right. the Sage of Light. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I mean, and for those uninitiated, that is a character in, in Ocarina of Time. That's the first character you meet when you're an adult. And for those very uninitiated, that is the most popular Zelda game of all time. Yes. Um, Highly regarded as one of the greatest games of all time. Yes. And so it's millions it, and millions and millions of people around the world are like oh, raru yeah. sages temples wow yeah and and Ra- we you quickly find out in the story that raru is like you know more than about this than i do considering the story that i consumed or what little of it i did um mm-hmm. but raru is married to hylia yes hylia the goddess of hyrule from like skyward sword kind of mm-hmm. is that her name in the game buddy you tell me he <laughs> beats me isn't it? Maybe. Isn't she Hylia? She's like a... Raru's like a weird furry man. Yeah, yeah. He's like a... He is a, he is a Zonai. Uh-huh. Zonai are a, a, a people yes. in this game, much like the Goron and the Zora, the Rita. An anthropomorphic people. Yes. Um, a, a strange gazelle... Uh, you, you, if you haven't played this game, you'd have to look up a picture. There's no good way to describe them. But The, the Zonai are the most furry of all the races... Of all the people thus far. <laughs> yeah. 
and and he's the first character you meet. He's the Sage of Light. He's like the one that administers all your abilities to you in the tutorial, and he gives you the lowdown of like what's going on in Hyrule. Ganondorf's back. Don't know if you heard. Uh, also, got your arm. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if that's the Link's arm gets corrupted by Ganondorf at the very beginning, and Raru gives Link his arm, which is why Link can use all of the sage, or not the sage abilities, the the Zonai abilities, the, mm-hmm. the Ultra Hand, the, Ascend, the fuse, the... Your, your, core, your core abilities. And then what? Yeah, so, I mean, at the start of the game, like we alluded to a little earlier, that you, you do have four core objectives, and similar to B-dubs, it's like, choose a direction and go mm-hmm. um i do feel like it kind of shoehorns based on like the objectives that it gives you it kind of suggests that you go to the rito um town first which i did not do it, it suggests you know a a certain trajectory that most players might find um the most streamlined but you can go in any of the four diagonal cardinal directions that you would like to essentially reach one of the objectives I played it very similarly, I believe, to how I played Breath of the Wild. I did the Zora domain, I did Goron, I did Rito, and then I did the the Gerudo storylines. Which then, once you've completed those four, it, it kind of carries you into the end game. There's a few more story beats to hit before you're, you're sent off to, to Hyrule Castle. But Connor didn't play it as structurally... He took advantage of the li- liberties that the game gives you as well. I, I played all four sages, I, I visited all four towns, I completed all the objectives, I went through all four temples, spoiler alert again, I acquired the fifth sage, and then went on to defeat Ganondorf. But Connor, again, took advantage of like this, this open world structure. You, you have the ability to do as much of it or as little of it as you would like before completing the game. I have never been in any lifetime that I'm aware of uh, much of a main quest guy. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to open world or open-ended video games. And this game is no exception. And Breath of the Wild really wasn't easy either. I don't know, man. I've got over 100 hours in this game. I did not... I did two of the sages. I did <laughs> I did, I did. did the Zora dungeon, the whole Zora story segment. And and for the record, like, much like in Breath of the Wild, it's uh, you go to like the zone, the Zora zone, the Lanayru region. You follow mm-hmm. the path. You go to Zora's domain. Everything's water. Yeah, everything's water, but there's, like, some kind of problem. You know, Ganondorf has unleashed a monster on X location that is inflicting X environmental effect on the people there, and you team up with Y Sage, and you go to Z Dungeon, Mm -hmm. and you defeat whatever monster is causing their problems, and then that area of the map is restored. Yippee. Pretty normal Zelda stuff. But, man! The dialogue is so dry and boring <laughs> and long uh-huh. and slow and pointless. I was about to, and hardly relevant to the concerns that you have regarding saving Hyrule. Right. And the game is so much fun. Tears of the Kingdom is so much fun to play mm-hmm. when... You're not being put in a box. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it might have it might have felt better or it would have felt differently. I don't know if it would have felt better strictly if I had done, you know, what you alluded to, the way the game sort of directs you to the Rito 
mm-hmm. um, zone first, which is which is interesting because that's not usually the first one you do. Did you get that vibe as well? Yes. Yeah. Um, they were like, "There's something." Yeah. Any any villager or NPC or whatever up to that point was like, "People need help up there." Yeah. In this zone in particular, they mm-hmm. were like, "There's stuff happening everywhere," but like the Rito village is being beset by snow. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but uh, I like the Zoras. Yeah. Um, but man, my experience: you go to the Zora place, you talk to way too many people. It gives you a few, like, little objectives. Like, you have to photograph the one slate. You have to go up in the Sky Islands. Going on, and then, I don't know. Anything that involves, like, just running back and forth between people, between characters and talking to them was annoying because it was just going back and forth. It wasn't engaging mm-hmm. with, any, with any, like, meaningful mechanics or conflict or anything. You got a cool waterfall shirt. You got your cool waterfall shirt. <laughs> <laughs> You can scale waterfalls. You can do that in the first one. <laughs> and nothing new. And, and like, every character just, like, talks for way too long about mm-hmm. not much important. Yeah. Almost ever. There's just, like, there's... It's like they're they're trying to inject personality into the characters by making them talk as much as possible. Which but it is, just doesn't work. It doesn't. But it's also... You can see that they they heard the complaints from B-dubs. Right. Regarding the lack of story, the lack of emotional investment that a lot of people a lot of players had with the world and the characters just that they they didn't feel like there was much drive to i mean i think objectively there was a lack of story in breath of the wild i agree and and they they have tried to uh remedy that with tears of the kingdom for better or worse and often in really non-meaningful ways exactly it's a, it's another means to an end conversation it's like you it, it, it sounds it feels exactly like what you just described it's like let's make more story in this game how do you make more story make them talk more <laughs> yeah <laughs> more dialogue equals more story which is like i i guess uh-huh. more storytelling is not better storytelling um but you're also i mean incorp woven into that is like this repeating of all the Zelda stuff, all the Zelda beats, like the sages and mm-hmm. and the temples. The temples are like, you know, they're the fire temple it means something to the Gorons. It's like something in their culture, and there's like Goron iconography in the fire temple, and that's sure. cool. And like same for the Zora stuff. Like the temples are themed and are neat, at least for the two and a half that I can speak for. Yeah, I did half of the Spirit Temple. Thank you very much. Okay, good for you. And I have a question about that later in a second uh remind me um but yeah it you it's all filled with more flavor more world building a more detectable earnest attempt at delivering a breathing world a more engrossing story with like more characters because i mean well i guess breath of the wild had the heroes the champions yeah um and this one the sages the repeated the repeated um demon king uh what's the other one demon king secret stones <laughs> yeah oh man it i don't know what 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 do you say i don't i don't know how to i don't know how to you have more exposure to it so you drop into that point i sure do i did it twice and i was out well i mean on a on a very um basic level i don't have to go too far into it but the temples are frankly not much more than the divine beasts ever were either 
it varies depending on the temple, but the structures are very much the same. Like, there's essentially four locks sealing the boss door, and you have to go around and use whatever sage ability you receive to unlock the four locks on the door and then go fight the boss. Similar, and similar, real quick, uh, to Breath of the Wild, after you complete each of the four areas of Breath of the Wild, each one gives you a, a champion's ability, a sort of, like, ability or passive buff that Link kind of gets. Yes. That's themed around the element, like water, fire, whatever, and helps you for the rest of the game. Right. And so these sages, they are essentially the four champions that B-dubs gave you as well, but this time they, they follow you around as little avatars, and you can turn them on or off depending on how much they annoy you, because <laughs> they can get in your way. You activate their abilities by walking over to them and pressing A. And so a lot of times they'll run up on you as you're trying to pick up an item or, you know, do something, interact with something in the world, and you'll end up activating their sage ability. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I guess I'm a glutton for punishment. I kept all of the sages activated at all times throughout my entire playthrough because I did think it was kind of cool having a little posse following me around. But I know a lot of people would deactivate them if they didn't feel the need to have them turned on oh um, man i had them off unless i was using the goron to like bomb some rocks yeah uh i had them off they were just in the way they yeah. blocked the camera they blocked my view totally i didn't like actively accidentally adding activating their abilities and also i didn't like that they helped in combat interesting this is another thing where it felt like they took some influence from like Dark Souls and Elden Ring. Yeah, I, th I yeah. think we might the have spirit talked about ashes. It. Yeah, um, it, it felt it, there's built-in summons in the game, and that's mm -hmm. cool. And and the combat encounters reflect that too, because enemies are a little more vicious in this game than Breath of the Wild, mm -hmm. and a little more numerous. And there's more like the the enemy encounters are feel balanced around having a bigger posse. Yeah, even though I don't quite enjoy it in execution as much. Right, but yeah, the temples are are. They just, they feel pretty watered down. They are not anything, they call them temples, but if you've played any other previous Zelda game, if you're imagining a temple, it is not that. They're aesthetically cool. They're themed cool. Dude, the Fire Temple was hot garbage. The Fire Pun Temple. intended, I guess. But, um, <laughs> the Fire Temple was, okay, I'll, I still think it was cool. It was but cool. what a goddamn mess. I, that's, I mean, that's the one that scared me from doing the others. Yeah. The structurally, like the getting around, like I, I broke the temple. Is yeah. the only way I managed to finish it. I just ascended through a couple janky ledges that they accidentally left there, and then I would <laughs> ascend one more time, and I guess I made it to the lock that I needed to unlock. But like, there's these complex rail systems and mine carts that you're supposed to be riding around. It gives the artifice of like this is a complex dungeon. With like some depth and like its own maybe even central mechanic to it with the mine carts and this intricate railway system that goes through the entire temple, which is not a whole. It's not a. It's a pretty small temple. They're all pretty small. They're all pretty small. And but but like you open up the map for this fire temple and there's like five floors, right? And like not a whole lot of platforms, but there's just like this web, this like subway, this like New York subway system <laughs> level, like intertangled web of minecart railways mm -hmm. that's just a mess and i don't know how you're supposed to navigate and and like most 
conversations that I've witnessed or had with people is like, yeah, they just like climbed around and ascended and didn't engage with that part of it, which is a shame. Right. And so long story short, like just, you, you know, the some of the bosses were pretty cool. I, it's a shame you didn't fight the Rito boss because it was all, actually a lot of fun. Ah, you probably did, didn't you? Okay, we'll get there. Uh-huh. Um, so, so some of the bosses were cooler than others, but for all intents and purposes, the the temples were were frankly no more interesting than any of the shrines that you would interact with. Um, just kind of maybe longer shrines, and and again, most of the um, surrounding context of the temples weren't much more interesting either. Just like you said, mm. all the conversations with the characters were never truly meaningful to the pursuit of saving Hyrule and, and defeating Ganon. Mm. And it, it sucks that like the, the where that flavor, the game in, in general has like so much more in, intended flavor, so much more aesthetic quality and depth to it than Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. And it it's just a, such a huge disappointment and shame that that flavor is so weak when it comes to those the four core stories the big moments the big moments um something that you haven't gotten to maybe yet is that these sages you they each each area kind of has like the story arc for the sage you you reunite with the sage you met them in the first game in some capacity you reunite with them you help them solve the area's problem and you go to the dungeon with them and beat the boss alongside them which is neat yeah you link sort of forms a relationship with them however each sage follows like like within the realms of script writing copy pasted arcs yes each sage you you meet them and help them overcome their challenge and then their the previous generational sage like appears to them in a vision uh-huh. and is like you are the sage of x element this is your ability you are meant to fight the demon king ganondorf and you have a secret stone and <laughs> every time the sage says demon king secret stone yeah for copy paste it every single t- and it's the same exact scene with the same exact shots and mm-hmm. script beats and everything four times yeah and it's a little, it's, it could have been, there's no reason that it couldn't have been a little cooler or more interesting or something. Yeah. When so much of the the rest of the game lives up to the expectations practically. Right. If we're ready to get into it yet, but like the, the tears. Yeah. The other story segment that honestly provides the most context for why you're doing what you're doing are the tears of the kingdom. Ta-da! Um, there's these huge glyphs, these huge um, geoglyphs. They call them. Yeah, they're geoglyphs, but they're they're just these huge printed images of ancient it, uh, it hieroglyphs. Would, yeah, it, it, it's like if God just like took a stamp and stamped the earth with like a big weird hieroglyph. Uh-huh. You know, kind of like Hyrule a, glyph. Hyrule glyph, if you will, <laughs> or like uh, what do you call the alien things? Oh, crop circles? Crop circle. Yeah, yeah. they kind of just look like crop circles. Uh-huh. Which is cool because you can you can see them fr- on the map from the sky. Right. When you're up in the sky islands, you can see these huge crop circle looking mm-hmm. images just like on, stretched across fields and mountains. Yeah. And they look very visually striking. Yeah. They're very fascinating looking. And each one contains a tear from who knows what. We'll get there in some deep spoiler territory, I'm sure. But uh, you, you go access these tiers, and they give you a vision of what exactly Zelda is going through on her adventure. Like, there, there's some weird time travel play 
like Zelda is essentially sent back in time to see what how she can impact the future. She meets Roru and Hylia, if that's what her name is. Roru and his wife. Um, his human wife. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the precursors to all of civilization in Hyrule. And she interacts with, she's learning what it means to have the, the power of light. The sa- Actually, she's the sage of time, is she? Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, and this, more or less, being analogous to the photo memories from Breath of the Wild. Exactly. It's um, it's sort of a, while the, the, four, the four big story beats are the core structure, there's kind of like this extra secondary storytelling world building exercise you can kind of engage in that mm-hmm. gives you these lavish cut that rule rewards you for these like with these lavish cutscenes with voice dialogue and you know important story beats that are exciting mm-hmm. it's the stuff they show in the trailer right it was the case for breath of the wild too <laughs> and it's pretty much the case for Tears of the kingdom all the cool looking cinematic stuff that's in the trailers is comes from these essentially optional cutscenes yeah I don't know what how much more to say to mention about them. I'll ask something that I genuinely don't know. Okay. Is there some kind of reward for completing all of them? I don't recall any... Uh, Does anything different happen? Maybe something in like the final cutscene? I don't believe so, other than just true knowledge as to what exactly is going on mm. and why you are interacting with certain elements of the world in the way that you are, such as re- retrieving the Master Sword, things like that. Because should you not play any of the sages, not get any of the tears, assuming you get the Master Sword, you might be like, what is going on? What is this weird dragon flying Mm -hmm. through the sky? You know, of course, the three elemental dragons return that were flying around so elegantly and beautifully in Breath of the Wild. And now there's a a fourth. It has the Master Sword stuck in its forehead. And the the tears that you collect through these geoglyphs and the cutscenes that they unlock really uh reveal the true nature of why the master sword is where it is and why the dragon is in the sky as well it's like maybe the best part of the story it it's is like, i mean i don't know it is, is the it, story like yeah it's like the only the only good part of the story it's not true i like the game i like oh the i remember what i wanted to talk about with the temples though oh what the um the dare message from the gorons the whole uh drug <laughs> drugs are bad oh my like no God. it's literally like the tears are literally the only good part of the story like, no the, the drug we let's talk about the drugs okay um the gorons are literally addicted to crack rock yeah <laughs> um, the, like each each area has its own like environmental problem that they're going through mm-hmm. uh the zoras are dealing with mud in all of their water the rito village is like frozen over mm-hmm. the gorons are addicted to crack rock it's 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 like rock infused with gloom or something like that. I I think is, I hate the is name. technically what is what is it even called? Marbled rock roast. Yeah, I hated everything about. I didn't I didn't hate the fact that it was a, a like crazy brazen allegory for the crack ec- epidemic. <laughs> yeah. uh, I did not hate that. I was simply flabbergasted by it and find it immensely interesting. But the way that they told it was certainly awful and like. They some they they really tried to make it as uninteresting as possible. Yeah, sort of, dude. As dry and like, this is just how it is. This doesn't. These mean silly Gorons just eat this rock, and they're just they just want to eat more rock. They and just rock and rock. Yeah, and it. Oh my god. Sorry, that's it. No, 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 that was... that, no. We're totally the the craziest part of the game. Maybe uh-huh. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how the uh, no he, are, are the Gibdos in the Gerudo land so uh, political. No, not at all. <laughs> There's a weird little tower defense portion of yeah. fighting off the Gibdos, which is 
functionally, gameplay-wise, just an interesting detour mm. that that you literally, like, assign Gerudo guards to, like, a couple gates, and then you're presumed to guard the other gate, and, like, you can use these cannons and stuff like that for five minutes, ward off hordes of Gibdo, which was ultimately unsatisfying as well. But Fair. other than the Goron Crack Rocks, that, that was probably the oddest. So wild. Yeah. Good point. Yes. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you played the, Go- the Goron section. Yeah. Having only played half of the, uh, more like 40% of the um, outline. It's 50%. I got halfway through the Spirit Temple. Okay. All right. I, I, let, I, will, I will contend with that. Okay. All I right. got halfway through the Spirit Temple and got annoyed and confused and quit. So you don't have to get the full mech? I don't have the mech. Okay. I've I've assembled like two or three pieces of it. Right. And then got annoyed with one of the pieces. I was like, I'm in the underground. I guess of course this you doesn't don't have matter. to. Because I mean, boring. you can literally go straight to... I don't to... know who this character is because I haven't watched the cutscenes. Yeah, right. um, I hardly know who she is. It's It feels irrelevant. <laughs> irrele- it, like, yeah. it felt weird that Raru's sister... Spoilers. All right. We're going we're, <laughs> we're, we're gonna to start rolling downhill. With in-game like, stuff? Yeah. I think I think we're going to start moving pretty quickly here. Okay. But spoiler alert. Then... It's it's weird that Raru's sister, who you see in two or three of the cutscenes of the tears cutscenes, she becomes like the seminal character. She becomes That's what it's felt the like. sage to end all sages. She's she is essentially occupying this Zonai mech, which is badass and like what everybody strives to build as they are you know assim- using Ultra Hand to build these complex machines. Um, they essentially grant you one in the form of a sage. And I, I wish I could remember her name. Mineru? Mineru, yeah. Mineru? Mineru, Mineru I think is how they pronounce it through okay. the, the, the cutscenes. I think I met her in like one cutscene. Like mm-hmm. actually, she was in one of them and they addressed her as Mineru. And like, but that's, I, I don't know. I don't really care or no. I didn't care either. <laughs> and um, I was happy to have a mech running behind me that I could hop on and like use a flamethrower every once in a while. Mm. But uh, overall, like it, it also felt somewhat shoehorned very abrupt and not asked for sure so the spirit temple is the fifth dungeon right there's four core ones and then there's a how does it funnel you towards the spirit temple canonically i don't quite recall the story beats exactly but i mean once you collect Minoru's spirit and assemble the mech if i recall correctly you you basically it's like all right go beat ganon so that that you have the power quick too. you have the power of the sages and you're ready to rock and roll and so it sends you down into the depths to of hyrule castle to fight ganondorf is it easier to get through that final i mean through the tunnels rather to get to the final encounter is it easier to get there with the mech not that I recall. It was it was pretty. That was a pretty challenging period. Mm-hmm. Um, getting through all because it sends you through the depths. You you basically retrace your steps, if I'm not mistaken, of the intro sequence. Yeah. Well, sort of. It's not so. I, I didn't feel like it. I, I only registered that after a while. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like going through like sort of generic tunnel full of enemies for a while and then and then i guess you'd come upon those murals again right right i think yeah yeah um and also for the record i would like to mention i found the spirit temple by accident yeah you can do that i found it in the sky we talked about this yeah. i found like some dragon head island 
and it told me to dive down into the depths. Minoru was like calling me. Mm-hmm. Now I kind of wish I'd finished the temple because I'd be curious if it like told me to go fight Ganondorf. But anyway, go on. Uh, the final gauntlet. Yeah, you're, you're traversing the depths, um, tunnels more or less, which differs from the traditional depths. It's it's much more narrow and and direct. Whereas the depths overall are just huge, sprawling landscape. And and you fight some of the strongest enemies. You you have... Ooh, this is where our gameplay experience differs a little bit, mm-hmm. actually. You, you fight like a series of, li- of Lynels and a bunch of other large-scale enemies that you've probably encountered throughout the rest of your gameplay. And it's kind of just like testing your metal before the final boss. I completed all of the sages and all of the temples. And so my... I was fairly streamlined straight towards Ganondorf. But I do know for a fact that if you don't complete all of the temples, you have to go through a boss gauntlet. Is that right? That is right. Well, and you riddle me this as the one that beat everything. Did you have? Did you still have to fight like like an onslaught of regular enemies? Yes. Okay. With your with the sages, the right. sages all come out. But I thought I think that's cool. It was kind of cool. I for the record, I like the finale. Uh huh. I played the finale a little bit begrudgingly because I felt, I mean, I just felt bad that I wasn't motivated, motivated properly to do all the necessary story stuff up to that point because I knew it was going to pay off if I had. Right. And after the fact, I do still sort of wish that I had completed the story stuff only to make the finale more satisfying. Mm -hmm. But it was already pretty, it was, I mean, I'm in a way, I'm also glad I did because it was hard. It was challenging. Yeah. I did. I, I had to fight three bosses. Right. In addition to the horde of enemies uh-huh. and then and then the Ganondorfs. Because, yeah, you have to fight the bosses that you did not complete mm-hmm. throughout your regular gameplay, right? Correct. Just as in Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Same for that. If you approach Ganon without having completed some of the core objectives, it will make you fight those dungeon bosses again before you fight Ganon proper. Just as in this one. So I, I had to fight three extra bosses. I did, in fact, fight Kolgera. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, do approve. But the the Spirit Temple boss was strange. That's the one where you're fighting with... Wait, so you didn't have the mech. I didn't have the mech. What the hell? I, used I don't even know how that's... Of, po- I used a bunch of bombs. A bunch of bombs. Yeah. I guess. Is And Unobo, would you just like smash him into it? Yeah. Or what? Uh-huh. It, weird. Okay. It was weird. It felt weird and wrong. Because and... with the mech, it's like a boxing match. You yeah, know totally. what I mean? And, and then like it set up the ring and stuff. Like there were the electric walls and yeah. shit. Yeah. And Colgira obviously was just underground, you know, not in the sky. Yeah. As I guess it was would have been in Leo yeah, Town. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was cool. I mean it it felt like a really, really long, epic final boss gauntlet, mm-hmm. you know. Three bosses, a big uh the it, it throws a big wave of regular enemy like waves of regular enemies like, at you. Yeah, tiny moblins. As as part of like the boss gauntlet, which is really cool because it makes the sages shine. It like shows that that's like kind of the the cathartic direction that building up the sages is heading towards sure. is that like the more sages you have and the more the stronger they are, the sort of easier that encounter becomes. So you but yes, you 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 defeat the final bosses, not the final bosses, but and and you make your way through the tunnels and you approach Ganondorf. What do you think of the Ganondorf fight? I liked it. Really? Uh-oh. I think so. I, I th- I'm I'm not like I'm not over the moon about it. I didn't love it. I'm not in love with it. But and this is it's not its own fault. I think the fight. I think it's all really cool and really good. 
and really interesting. All even like the gimmicky stuff that they throw in there, I really love. I do love and appreciate. But it is everything that came before it. I mean, it's just like almost or the lack thereof. You yeah, know, the, I'm, that's on me that I didn't get more like narrative context for Ganondorf by not doing the story stuff. You know, I don't know. But go go on. What are you What are you thinking? Well, so this is a piece of information that I was kind of saving for like my more closing thoughts uh-huh. for a few minutes from now. But it is relevant to this final boss fight. I completed all 152 shrines before I went and fought Ganondorf. Whoa. So I prioritized my health. I had all 40 hearts, and so therefore I was missing like two slots of stamina or whatever. You know, it's a it's a weird. I don't know why they did it like that. You can't get full stamina. No, you can't. What? You can't do. You, you can't do both. Yeah, you can. No, you can't. You cannot. The math does not add up. You cannot have full hearts and full stamina. It was the same in Breath of the Wild. Are you sure? Um, I believe if I'm not mistaken, the DLC uh, made it where you could get full hearts and stamina. But that one had one twenty shrines. Doesn't does that not math- mathematically even out for the? Maybe not. I don't know. I, I just, I know for a fact I did all the shrines and I did not have full stamina. I, I um, trust that. But I yeah. believe you. And so maybe, and I got all the great fairies, so I was able to fully upgrade. I did not spoof any items. I, you, you know, mm-hmm. there was great drama on the internet regarding duplicating mm-hmm. um, items to sell and then make infinite rupees or whatever. I didn't do that, but like I did fully upgrade my favorite set of armor. And so I felt very strong. I wanted to feel very strong. Did you upgrade any of your sages? No. I okay. ne- I never found enough sages will in the sky to actually upgrade even one of my sages. Okay. Um, Which is interesting. I don't... I, I had a hard time find- tracking those down. They're silly. Yeah. But, um, so overall, like, not only did I possibly make it too easy for myself by... Upgrading my health too much and having my armor fully upgraded. But I also found the initial Ganondorf portion of the endgame a little just thematically underwhelming. The The room you're in isn't very big. It's It looks like the depths. Um, I wanted to be on a falling platform, falling through the sky as I'm going on this... I don't know. I, I imagine Wind Waker. That is such an epic duel to be had. And it, again, you're you're in Wind Waker. You are s- still on a static, in a static arena type area, but something about it just feels epic. And every swing is very important. And then on the converse, Twilight Princess has all three stages uh, where you're, you're on horseback and then you're in a duel and you fight Beast Ganon. And so I was just expecting some epic series of events where it just gradually unfolds and it's difficult. And again, to go to Elden Ring, we we had we had postulated that perhaps it's just going to be some really hard, mm-hmm. you know, just grueling boss fight to finally finish this game. And I did not find that to be the case fighting Gandorf. Again, I might have made it too easy for myself, but overall i found even his attack patterns like the his attacks weren't very interesting to me i yeah. i he was just pretty easy i think 
it's all unfortunate because it's all a circumstance of the core design direction that they have gone with this game and B-dubs initially, which is, it's just about player freedom. Mm -hmm. However, there is no wrong way to approach anything in the game, frankly. Right. And that is often rewarding and often disappointing. Mm -hmm. Right. And when they tie that design philosophy to the game's, like, single digit, you know, handful of, like, core objectives... It's like, you don't have to do that. You don't have to. And when they tie the completion of those core objectives to the quality of the bookend of the game, the final, the finale, yeah, it, that is almost a flaw. Almost. Because we had different experiences and with different levels of catharsis. Mm-hmm. I had a great time. Yeah. Um, I agree. It could have, they could have cranked, they could have sprinkled even more Zelda iconography on it. Like, Bring us up to the tip of Hyrule Castle or something. Make it Ganon's castle. Yeah. I don't know. Make it rain or something. I don't care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. I, and I keep blaming it on myself for not having done the story stuff. It's like, I don't know. I guess I didn't have much investment in Ganondorf. I don't really know what he was about yet. The mm-hmm. same, you know, there wasn't as much like narrative context, narrative buildup for me. Yeah. But Ganondorf wh- was only in like one or two of the tiers of the And I watched one of them. Context, by the way. Sure. Like, he... He, you, you still had minimal knowledge as to who and why and what Ganondorf was, and not like they did much with it anyway. He's just evil, you know. Yeah. Demon King, Secret Stones. Yeah, he's just the Demon King, and that's it. But that being said, there's no reason they could have like injected more narrative importance into the final encounter. Mechanically, I, I felt like I hit the sweet spot. I had the Master Sword, which I do almost regret because it's just like your only weapon that you use for the whole thing. Yeah, uh, because it never dies and it does damage to him but i don't know man i i hopped i loved that i had to fight three bosses mm-hmm. i loved that i had to fight the gauntlet of enemies with a few sages so it was mostly me yeah i mean I'd, i've gotten my perfect dodges down pat like no problem sure it was just a good test for it um and then fighting ganondorf i you know and i didn't even have full i didn't even have a, have a full row of hearts mind you yeah right? yeah, yeah full stamina all day but you know i got back into my no helmet, original costume because mm-hmm. Ganondorf's looking samurai ass, right. and, I, and I had to go back. No shield, just the master sword. One on one sword duel. Get me in my like my weird sky clothes, the the clothes that are like on the cover of the box. Yep. Get me in there, and here and there's there it is too. Like the openness is like let the player decide it. I made my own stakes, kind of. It sure. felt cool. I felt it when he hit me. I felt it when he dodged my parry, uh-huh. you know, and dodged my yeah. um, my thing. That was cool. That's cool. All right, fine. Yeah. And and Ganondorf parrying you back is cool. That's that's what I was looking out for. Mm-hmm. Is because what's interesting, what they what's so subtle about each of these Zelda games that happens, that comes out in Wind Waker. Do you know how you deliver the final blow? Do you remember? You stab him in the head. Do you know how you do that? Do you remember? It's like a- quick time event you have to like press a at the right time it's right? by mastering the combat and inca- the combat mechanic that was there the whole time uh-huh you know it's that that parry mechanic that's in wind waker right you use it as the final blow mm-hmm. in twilight princess similar you use the finishing blow on ganondorf you have to knock him down first mm-hmm. and in skyward sword you have to use the skyward strike yes and i thought it was i mean it's just brilliant that ganondorf perfect dodges your hits uh-huh. and then you have to perfect dodge his perfect dodge yeah you know and in ocarina of time 
the bouncing of the sword. You know, like the the dueling mm-hmm. aspect of fighting Ganondorf one on one as Link. Let alone when you're just wielding the master sword, ready batter up. You know. Yeah. I I had a good time with that battle. I died a couple times mm-hmm. in that battle, and when he changes form, and they throw another silly little gimmick on there where his health bar goes off the screen. It's awesome. That was Why cool. not? Okay, that was weird though that they decide to go video game. Sure. It brought it, it, uh, HUD meta on the very last 30 seconds of the game or whatever. I did think that was a little goofy. It, they had not earned it no. all the way. But but it like, was cool. But, but it was like, cool. Hats off. Come on. <laughs> yes. Come on. No, it was absolutely. And that's when I put on my green link outfit uh-huh. and put my shield back out and was like, okay, let's we're we're in final form right now. Let's go. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get it. We're gonna go Undertale now. I like, kind of. <laughs> and 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 granted, and granted, you're not wrong. I think what I what I didn't need was aesthetic stakes, or what I what you're what I didn't realize I wanted was aesthetic stakes. Mm-hmm. You're right. I facilitated those myself a little bit. Yeah. They could have provided more with like more, you know, a better set piece, a better uh-huh. set piece. However, what I was looking out for was like mechanical um, sure. the- theming, right? And I got that. Yeah. I was I was ecstatic. Mm-hmm. I was very well pleased, and I had a great battle. It did feel unearned, but again, kind of blaming it on myself because I didn't do everything. But it's also sort of the game's fault because they could have added more stakes, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. And I mean, all in all, yeah, the second form did feel. Too much like the first form. Mm-hmm. I'll say it. it it's yes. the same. It's the same stuff. Mm-hmm. He gets. He glows and he has a bigger health bar and like hits harder. But that's kind of almost it. Yeah. And then of and and my expectations for the Ganondorf battle at this juncture were not so high because I knew, not literally, but I had I assumed correctly that I knew it was coming next, right. which was the beast phase. Yes. You know, it, I knew that this was not the actual final battle. Right. Of course. These. These Zelda people really love Sonic Adventure. <laughs> Do you get that vibe? The Sonic Adventure games always end with like, there's an Eggman, you know, you fight Eggman's final battle at some point, and then you fight the big beast monster, yeah. like in space or whatever. Yeah. Or just like, you know, that's how the Sonic games have gone this whole time. And that's like where you play the, the final, like the main theme. Uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and like it all comes to fruition and... Tears of the Kingdom just, like, cranks that up even more so. Breath of the Wild did that same thing. Yeah. And then now we're back. Well, and so, okay. And that's not a complaint. No. So I will I will rewind just a touch. Yes. Because, yes, I've complained about the Ganondorf mm-hmm. fight thus far, but the grand finale fight was ultimately very satisfying for me. Because, so, um, ultimate spoilers... Zelda eats this tear of the kingdom in one of the tear flashbacks, and she becomes a eternal dragon in order to recharge the Master Sword so that in current times, Link can draw the Master Sword, which had originally been shattered in the intro sequence, to full power and be able to defeat Ganon. And so we learn that by eating a tear, you become an eternal dragon. Well, Ganon in his desperate Ganondorf in his desperation consumes his tear of the kingdom, his secret stone to to bring it all <laughs> right back around, and he becomes a dragon as well. And so the final final battle is this really epic 
And battle, there's, your, there's your set piece. Yes. Like that, that's why I wasn't expecting it for that battle in particular. I wouldn't, in retrospect, it would have been cool if the set piece were greater for Ganondorf, but I knew in the back of my head, I was like, the grand, the capstone yeah. set piece is coming. Totally. Because B-dubs did the same thing. Yes. But you are, you are bouncing back and forth between Zelda as a dragon and Ganondorf as a dragon. We can call him Ganon at this point. Mm. Where you are falling and flying around in in the sky like right. in the sky map of of the main map so it, it kind of brings it all full circle yes and it, it's it is also not inherently a difficult portion of the fight sure overall but it is very intense and visually satisfying and and incorporates just a lot of different mechanics from the game like the soaring and diving mm. you know you can speed up your falls to to fall faster and so it's just, it's really, frankly, badass, just the whole dueling dragons mm. element of the final portion of the, the fight. Fighting alongside Zelda, no less, is yes. cool thematically. As a tragic dragon, because, yeah. the, the, again, the story overall is very lacking, but uh, she, she, she will not retain her personality as Zelda. She is just kind of this beast. Beast, yeah. She, she is sacrificing herself in order to recharge the Master Sword to save Hyrule later on. They do bring some of those elements full circle, and Ganon, obviously... Gets owned. Gets owned. And then Zelda magically becomes Zelda again, and... You know, she pukes up her secret stone. Yeah. That's not true. I don't... I don't, I, I don't <laughs> I even remember. Um, <laughs> I, I think it... Love saves her. Yeah, whatever. It kind of... Ends it pretty quick after you after you kill the final duel with the final blow to Ganondorf. Yeah, Gan, great dragon, Draganon. Dra- ooh, as nice. It were. But yes, um, by the end of the final fight, I was pleased. I was satisfied with with the overall final portion of the game. Ganondorf is such an iconic character for me, and like, yeah. I had so many good sword duels with him that I was I was disappointed with that portion of the fight. Interesting. So we've been we've talked about this game for quite a while now looking at the clock but i think it's important that we give this behemoth like its fair share of coverage you know yeah it's it's almost bigger than elden ring at least maybe personally i would disagree with that statement because i love dark souls and FromSoft so much but as far as our scope of our podcast is concerned a new big old zelda game should probably be our one of our biggest episodes yet 100 percent. yeah So, so i'm glad we're we're continuing in exhaustive detail and also listeners thanks for uh sticking with us thus far yeah what other kind of like i mean any any other niggling points that are sticking out in your head i've got a few i've got some stuff to talk about still are they little nitpicky things or are they overall impressions because some some sweeping impressions and some like questions to walk away with to to kind of close to ask to close this out but and and some little i mean let's go over the music I want to talk about the music. Yeah. Let's talk about the music. Um, it's all good. Mm-hmm. It's some of it. It all, So much of it is so brilliant in how it's executed. Yeah. Did you please, please tell me and answer honestly. Did you ever detect the Ocarina of Time Ganondorf battle theme woven into any of the battle music? No. Because it's there and it's crazy. Really? It's there. It's okay. like. Like casual battles? Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. There first of all, the battle music improved mm-hmm. tenfold. I love the regular encounter battle music so much. 
And then Breath of the Wild, it was all, it was like fine. It was yeah. pretty pretty good. And in this one, it incorporates the mo the the motif from the original battle theme yeah. in dubs, but like adds like crazy layers of instrumentation and arrangement on top of it. But like when the bat in the the phase of the music where it like gets more intense, it literally does the bum 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 bum, and then okay. and then and then and I hear that and I'm like, that never appears in Zelda anymore. Mm-hmm. That melody is distinct. Yes, this is the game where Ganondorf comes back. Uh huh. Surely they like, sure, surely that's not on. They didn't do that on accident. No. They didn't do that on accident. Well, and and I'll answer that question. It's not a question. It's a statement. That's what I felt. And then I'll fast forward to prove my own point because I am so smart. Uh, <laughs> fast forward to the Ganondorf fight. Bada bing. They bring it. it. <laughs> and in the Phantom, the Phantom Ganon fight. We never yeah. talked about Phantom Ganon. Yeah, okay. Phantom Ganon's pretty cool. Phantom Ganon's awesome. That's the one. That's like the one. That's not the only one. It's the, the probably the biggest point of like, okay, you can bring that Zelda iconography back. For Phantom Ganon, because it's awesome. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it was yeah, yeah. cool. It was weird how you had to defeat, like, the hands. Yes. The, the gloom hands, which mm. I would call, like, this game's kind of guardian equivalent, almost. Yeah, um, yeah that's Kind weird. of the, the panic-inducing moment where, instead of a laser, you know, the sky gets dark and yeah. the hands pop out of the ground. Crazy. And so you, you blow up all the hands in whatever fashion you would like. Blow uh, up is right. Bomb arrows are, are a good idea, yeah. for sure. And then... Once you're done with them, Phantom Ganon appears and uh, and the music changes. Yes, and it does the da na da na. It does it, and then of course it brings it back to the Ganondorf fight. Yeah, and and when Ganondorf goes Super Saiyan, mm-hmm. it does the blight like the the blight slash calamity Ganon battle themes. Oh, cool. Okay. The da 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 da. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't know. There's so much more music in this game. It feels like. All of the battle music, all the field bosses have their own unique themes. Right. The, the um, what's it called? The King Ghidorahs. Uh, Gleox. Yeah. <laughs> they have their own thing. That might be my favorite. I love the Flux Contract. Those are fun to fight. They're so much fun. The Gleox are cool. The field bosses are on point in this game. Yes. Everything in this game that's not tied to doing the core stories. I want to, let's, I want let's, let's glow this game up a little bit. Yeah. Let's, let's, the Gleox are incredible encounters. Mm-hmm. They're giant three-headed dragons. They're basically King Ghidorah from Godzilla. Yes. Um, they're based off a real Zelda enemy from the first Zelda game. Right. And they're just these massive three-headed dragons that just, like, hang out in the overworld. And massive is, like, key word. They're I think huge. they're the biggest monster you'll fight in the game. Probably. And and they're scary. And they and they take advantage of all the... Of the sky dynamic. Yeah. That, that you know... You, they, they, they'll fly. They fly, and they're already impossibly high. You, you can hit them with your sword, sort of, but uh-huh. they use their wings to blow you away. Mm-hmm. They they fire beams at you from their three heads that are super high up in the sky. Yeah. Like, when you first encounter it, it's like, it feels impossible. Right. But the way you conquer them is just so satisfying. Mm-hmm. And they have, like, their built their own, like, built-in, like, three-phase structure, mm-hmm. despite being, like, open-world field bosses. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but the first time I fought one, the experience as as related thus far, it was scary and horrifying, but then it blew me off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> and it blew, it was a thunder gleok and it blew me all the way down off a cliff. And first of all, I thought I was I was going to die. Uh-huh. I didn't. I survived the fall, but I was like, man, that was crazy. Yeah. And I couldn't climb up back the cliff. It was too high. It was that high of a cliff. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, that was crazy. I'm glad I got out of that one. And the gleok 
flew down to me <laughs> and the music did not stop and it kept fighting me uh-huh. uh like i don't know a mile away yeah and it was crazy and then i won and it was incredible okay we're glowing the game up mm-hmm. but there's almost like I, I i i see a path to my largest complaint mm-hmm. with the game and so like i don't know if now's the time to get that out of the way as well what happens when you beat the gliok it feels really good because it was really fun to do. Okay. That cool. okay, okay. Good. I know I can I see where you're going with this already, okay? Okay. But allow me to pre-counter it <laughs> with the Gleok is exciting and fun to fight every time. Okay. Phantom Ganon was like pretty fun to fight every time. The hands were a cool challenge. Mm-hmm. Even like the regular combat encounters, I don't know. I'm a I I'm a a child as long as it it's almost just because it has cool music. Yeah. Like, if a, if a battle has cool music, I'll do it. Yeah. Even if it's tedious <laughs> okay, cool. and, and annoying. Yeah, fair. It's like, even if even if a challenge is preposterous, if it has cool music to motivate me, then I'll keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a pattern in myself that I have just detected over the years being a gamer, and I, and I live at peace with it. Okay. However, I do see where you're going with this. What do you get? I've <laughs> deviated from that what do you what do you, you get, get? Mater- you get these materials you get two gliok wings and three gliok horns gener- okay. generally abouts you get a couple of monster parts and what do those monster parts do you can cook them into elixirs for various stat buffs okay. or you can combine them to your weapons for extra power extra on your sword power. you'll attach the gliok horn and it boosts your sword damage by 28 and then that sword will die in like 30 hits yes you know later on down the line that is just a kind of a very neat encapsulation of my ultimate gripe my unfortunately lasting impression on the game as a whole is that nothing ever feels quite rewarding enough that it impacts the either the rest of the game or changes what you are going to be doing Mm -hmm. for the rest of the game. No side quest ever delivers an item or an ability or an upgrade that causes me to change my strategy for how I am going to interact with the rest of the game for the next hundred hours, etc. How I started playing the game is how I finished playing the game even if i got more health even if my armor was ultimately upgraded and i took less damage from the enemies there's for me and it's kind of the same in breath of the wild there's no sense of accomplishment throughout the entirety of the game not even for the shrines and well it i think in b-dubs there was a sense of accomplishment for getting a new heart because that was kind of a new thing that they were incorporating. Mm -hmm. But here in Tears of the Kingdom, I've done that structure before. I knew I needed four shrines to get another heart or to increase my stamina. And yes, maybe now I can climb to the top of this mountain. But at the mountain, it's more just finite resources to temporarily boost my weapon that's going to uh, self-destruct in 30 hits. And then I'm going to have to rinse and repeat. And there's just something so temporary about any sense of reward that the game provides you that I never just felt like 
growth with Link, growth with the experience. It is kind of rinse and repeat through the entire game. And and it is a B-dubs, Tears of the Kingdom, uh, in in conjunction. No, I won't I will not say flaw, but just condition of the state of the game that, how they have built it that open-ended design philosophy it's a symptom of it yes it's a sim i mean right now it's a symptom of it it's it doesn't feel like an insolvable problem and, no. I'll, and i'll tell you why it's because or we we don't know i i don't know for sure for sure if it's a solvable problem whether to make like all these systems you know it's the, mm-hmm. it's the it's the means to ends it's the challenge versus reward it's like your reward for killing a gliok should be something useful like a battery upgrade. Yes. You know, that should, the first time you kill each Gleok on the map should be the battery upgrade. Yes. Like, but, so, a contemporary example that we've talked about recently is Elden Ring. Mm -hmm. It's got this big open world, it's the same deal, but something that we lamented, I recall, is that sometimes you'll find this dungeon, this copy-pasted dungeon, Mm -hmm. and you'll get through it because you don't know what the reward will be. And the reward will be something that doesn't match up with your character build at all. So it's just like functionally a waste of time. Sure. And it maybe even wasn't fun. The means to ends are both not worth it. Right. A Gleok is fun to, is fun to fight. No doubt. But the ends is not worth it because the material in-game reward is not worth it. A An example of both that does both well is a Metroid game. Super Metroid. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Because... Super Metroid is riddled with tiny upgrades. It's riddled with missile upgrades and bomb upgrades and super missile upgrades that increase your capacity for each. Yeah? Right. And you get those by solving environmental puzzles, exploring. It's interesting and fun to explore the world, Mm -hmm. and the reward is worth it because the final challenge... You have to use your missiles and super missiles. Yeah, you know you and can't. You want, you want as many as you can have. The more you have, the more the easier it is. Yeah, in a in a way that's you know easier to, isn't to, even the right word. It's I mean it's it rewards you for having engaged with the game because it makes the it just makes the boss less impossible. Yes, maybe it's a matter of like cranking that difficulty dial up more in ter- in Zelda at least you know to make yes. that Ganondorf fight more palatable. But I mean it's it's that same idea. It's you're building up. It's you're building up, you're gathering all these resources, you're upping your hearts, your stamina, your battery, you're getting the master sword, you're upgrading your armor, you're you have all these these valuable materials like the Gleok horns that attach to these valuable weapons to do the maximum amount of damage. You're building up your resources through the entire game to meet this one final challenge, and like I don't know, maybe maybe it all comes down to that final challenge, just like not being challenging enough, mm-hmm. but you're your point and the general flaw of the design where like each each little task does not ha- meet like the the ends do not justify the means for each little task right those should still be satisfying in and of, in and of themselves mm-hmm. and that's not impossible right but there is a formula to be found but it would take six more years of development you know to yeah. make like every single tiny challenge bespoke and mm-hmm. intentionally designed with a unique reward or like a worthwhile reward, like they came darn close. There's 152 shrines, right. and in this one, they're all pretty good. Mm-hmm. Certainly, it's it's a Herculean task, but it it, it it you're it when you when you've got the gumption like Nintendo and you actually aim that high and try to take it on, it does warrant you know critique. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Breaking I just, Canada. I just, it's that it makes sense. It, it did. It, it, no, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a little. It's pretty high concept. Yeah, you know, game design philosophy stuff. But it, I feel like it, it, it explains why you feel that way. Yeah, and just, I felt the way same way too. It, it just makes me sad right. that the ultimate feeling that I have walked away with is dissatisfaction overall, and and some of it has to do with from time to time how empty the world feels and whether and and again the world is not empty by any means but what you are finding between large objectives are more things to attach to a weapon to give you temporary damage upgrades or mm. cooking materials <laughs> which you know like cooking sucks yeah. still it's, um, it's all right and and it's i don't okay. dude how many times did you actually make a heat resistant meal you know what I mean? How many times did you actually need to do that? So many times. How many times did you actually need to change your armor set between, yes, there are 30 different armor sets now, but to to what end? Like, right. what, you know, more than anything, it, it's cool to change into an aesthetically different set. It's not that you needed whatever. Yeah, like stat buff or resistance. Yes. And maybe that's just me being a brute force kind of guy, you know, that I'm just going to bang my head against the wall and deal with the lightning strikes or the heat damage, you know. Join or... the club, pal. I didn't have a full row of hearts. Right. I just jam-packed health potions and, like, tanked all the hits and just got, you know, perfect dodged everything. Sure. And so, like, maybe that's just, like, my play style or something, but, but also that makes me question if this kind of game design is for me, you know. I'm mm. not willing to take the time to swap my armors and make the the correct elixirs to I'm just going to make health potions and heal when I need to heal because ultimately they just feel like time taken or mm. or unnecessary. It feels like such a paradox because you could almost argue that all these all the armors, all the elixirs and stuff you can make, they make the game easier, thereby and and also make the game more accessible. Mm-hmm. So that like if a challenge if I were a less avid game player and like the challenge was too hard, I could like implement some of these buffs and like use all my say like keep the sages out the whole time like yeah facilitate upgrade my armor facilitate like the game being easier for me but it does also like it takes more work to do that Mm -hmm. i don't know if it translates so well yeah and and to your point yeah it it almost ends up pleasing no one like it doesn't please please us the hardcore gamers because it all feels like unnecessary fluff and noise yeah and to the less avid gamer maybe it it's too complex. Yes. You know, it's still too complex. Uh-huh. And maybe still too skillfully demanding as well. I don't know. It, it sits in a weird place. Yeah. Nintendo making, like... Impressive open, nonetheless. Impressive nonetheless. But, like, they made an open-world, like, kind of hardcore action game. I don't know if that's the right balance for mm-hmm. them anymore. Yeah. I have almost ex- exercised, expunged all of my... Both toxicity and... Um, <laughs> praise perhaps you know because bottom line is this is like a gorgeous game it's massive there's lots to do whether it's worth the time or not is up to the in, the individual player but um what else do you want to talk about well i mean it's time for some some closing philosophical questions right yeah it's a it, uh, it is a gorgeous video game mm-hmm. it is a brilliant video it's a it's a genius video game kind yes. of in many ways no doubt if Maybe not eternally. I think it's more impressive than 
it's more impressive right now than it will be in five years. Mm-hmm. You know, I think just like Breath of the Wild created a new template and like raised the bar for open world games and AAA studios, like in what like the scope of what they can put in a game, I think Tears of the Kingdom ups the ante again, no doubt. But I don't think it will age quite as gracefully. Sure. Uh, the moves it makes are not as deft as Breath of the Wilds were, but I do. It's packed with flavor yeah it, everything at least for my personal taste i think the game the flavor of the game is tastier than breath of the wild sure whether it's just the zelda trappings or the the better music the more appealing visuals the greater variety in environments and mm-hmm. characters and stuff and obviously the gameplay there's just so much going on and so much to dive into and explore it's not for everybody i don't but it was big swaths of the game are for me and i very much enjoyed it the question is who is it for if someone has not played breath of the wild what should they play first that's interesting i've had this issue recently yeah Uh, and i i i sicked my friend on breath of the wild first and we both seem to regret it a little bit (laughs) did did they finish Breath of the Wild and go into Tears of the Kingdom? Not yet. They oh, haven't, no. Oh, okay. it's, but I mean... Because I was going to say, that's almost too... I didn't... I resisted playing Breath of the Wild before Tears of the Kingdom came out because I knew they were going to be a very similar Oh, like formula. replaying. Like replaying. Exactly. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Replaying Breath of the Wild mm-hmm. before Tears of the Kingdom came out because I knew that would be too much all of it for me in... I, I would be tired of Tears of the Kingdom before I started Tears of the Kingdom. Totally. Um, Absolutely. But that said, I still think, like, typically, I would say probably play Breath of the Wild before Tears of the Kingdom. It, it's fast, It's interesting that we're having this conversation so far after release, because for a long time, I don't know, I, I, I was talking about Tears of the Kingdom all the time when it came out. Mm-hmm. It's all I wanted to talk about. Right. And a bunch of people around me were playing it, but a bunch of people around me were hearing about it and hadn't played Breath of the Wild. They hadn't like engaged with Zelda in that way, but they mm. were hearing a lot about Tears of the Kingdom, and they were kind of interested. And then it's like that circle of hype that happens right around a game comes out when it's a game so big uh-huh. and and like such. It's it's just like behemoth size. It's like almost impenetrable. Yeah. But it's the sequel to another one of those. Right. It's like play Breath of the Wild first. Well, that's like two hundred hours. Uh-huh. Like how how much of Breath of the Wild do they really need to play? Before they start Tears of the Kingdom mm-hmm. or something like, it's it's un, it's an unreasonable ask, right? Almost. But it's fascinating. And to that point, I would almost do. You, do you think Breath of the Wild is a better like? Wait, rewind. What did you did you have an answer? What did you say? You think Breath of the Wild is a better starting point? I do. I think so. I think because I even from like a base level, like purely the abilities. I think those are level one of what is going to become Ultra Hand and Ascend and some of the the more complex functions that Tears of the Kingdom presents. Those are level two abilities. Uh And so, like, if you can get... You don't even have to finish Breath of the Wild, but I, I would prefer you did. But get 30, 40, 50 hours in, understand how it plays and feels, what it means... And then maybe you can just jump into Tears of the Kingdom and enjoy it just as much. Understand where it's coming from. I, I Again, I don't think that's the ideal scenario, but I would forgive somebody for playing, for, for managing it like that. Now, 
Let me flip it. Okay. Consider someone that bought into the hype and played Tears of the Kingdom. Do they have to play Breath of the Wild afterwards? No. No? Isn't that awful? I, yeah, I think Isn't would, that awful? I think it would be painful. Isn't that isn't that awful? Yeah. What do you what Yeah it is. So is Tears of the Kingdom the better game? In a math formula? Keep that silence in. Keep that pregnant <laughs> I, pause. I, I, I think I might have to. <laughs> I, I think it's uh, it's it's hard. I think in a math formula on paper, like yes, Tears of the Kingdom is the better game. Hmm. But Don't you know. can't have it without the other in existence. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we can let this conundrum lie where it is, yeah. and maybe there'll be a third one. I kind of, I kind of hope they make it into a trilogy and just like cap it off, and then they never have to touch this formula again or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I hope for the future of Zelda at this point. I don't know either. It's, it's it kind of scares me. It scares me too. Being like. Majora's Mask being not only my favorite Zelda game, but my favorite game of all time. You know what I mean? I, I'm very much in love with a certain structure of Zelda, and and basically any Zelda game before Breath of the Wild, you know, followed a similar uh, structure. Yeah. And and so, like, it, it does scare me a little bit, like, what could be next? Whether it's more or it's return to return to tradition or what as i believe i i might be wrong about this and if i'm wrong i don't know why i'm bringing it up but that they like basically confirmed that this is the direction that zelda's going i think i've heard that did you see that they started copywriting certain game mechanics no like from this game they started like patenting like the part of the mechanics that involve like weighted objects on moving platforms basically like the i don't know no it's, 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 it's bizarre but there's like there's patent like you can view the patents mm-hmm. themselves they've been going around i don't know i don't think of zelda as like a physics game you know no, like well, no that's it's oblivion a, it's it's <laughs> yeah oblivion's a physics game yeah or but it's it's an action adventure puzzle game mm. you know a uh it just it it feels like it like the de- design philosophies that have existed since the first Zelda game are like suddenly at war with each other. Yeah, it's like the first Zelda, the first Legend of Zelda for NES is like historic because it was so open. Mm-hmm. It was so open. It was so fair, player driven. You mm-hmm. know, um, it felt or at least it gave the illusion of it. Sure, it was like this game is like you play it at your own pace, you make your own story practically. But obviously, that was even more curated than. Tears of the Kingdom is. It had like these bespoke dungeons that you had to do roughly in this order. Yeah. Designed combat and puzzle encounters. And I don't know. It, it You can't have both at this scale, it feels like. Mm-hmm. You can't have like this much player agency and player freedom while also trying to have like this properly paced bespoke dungeons and like yeah. choreographed combat encounters. It just feels because they have to play into each other. They can't be separate. Mm-hmm. And the way that this, that Tears of the Kingdom tries to intermingle them with like the materials to reward your combat encounters, the, you know, I don't know. It's just not all even. Yeah. And something a little, a lot simpler and more elegant, like, for example, Majora's Mask, mm-hmm. which has these meticulously paced story and world building mm-hmm. segments and good pop. I don't know. It's all there. And yeah. it may, we may never see it again. 
because they're just going to keep going bigger and I mean, I guess they're going to, do you think they're just going to follow the trajectory of like injecting more player freedom? More like, I don't know. I can't tell if it's going to be Elder Scrolls next. Mm. I, I can't decide if they're going to, if it's going to go they're procedurally basically already there. generated. Um, Some of it's already there. The, all the Hylians in this game are generic. Mm-hmm. Well, but, and the, the flip side, this is a very contemporary piece of the conversation um, that will lead into my next question, but like. Baldur's Gate 3 yeah. just released very recently, and it has taken the world by storm. But I can't help but imagine they're taking some notes from that. Mm. It's incredibly story-driven, but it is very dynamic and responds to your decisions remarkably. and you In know, meaningful ways. In ways that change the trajectory of your game. Exactly. And so, like, I wonder what kind of notes they are taking from the game of the year discussions going on right now what they like and don't like and what they see fitting with the zelda formula you know i just i I don't know i can't fathom what they think is next what nintendo thinks is next for zelda it's it's scary to think about we're having these conversations about four or five years ago you know yeah when they first announced there was a sequel to breath of the wild coming out it's like Maybe the sequel is going to be more linear. Mm-hmm. Seven dungeons, seven linear dungeons. Right. And, you know, we didn't know. And now we know. And now we don't know again. Yeah. Game of the year? It's like the, it's like the only new game I've played this year. So like shared by default, I yeah. guess. Will it win? I don't know anymore. I don't either. I have not played Baldur's Gate. Starfield isn't out yet. Mm. Diablo 4, I haven't played either. But I kind of just don't, don't think that... I think it'll be on the screen as, you know, a runner in the game of the year, a, a contender, but I don't think that can possibly grasp it. Um, there's something else that I've heard people discuss as an option that I can't quite come up with in my head right now, but... Did a Yakuza come out? Or like a, like a dragon they are now? I don't know. I don't know. From what I have played of Tears of the Kingdom, what I've observed of Baldur's Gate 3... And from what I hear Starfield is attempting to achieve, I think it could be a pretty tight race and all of our praise and all of our criticism of Tears of the Kingdom combined, I would not be surprised if it doesn't take the title. Me neither. I, it almost feels like, it's, it feels like a point of, a turning point for the Game Awards this mm-hmm. year. Is like, I feel like someone's going to be upset. Yeah. A lot of people will be upset oh, yeah. no matter what wins. I feel like, it, Baldur's Gate feels like the most artful choice. You yes. know, it feels like the most deserving. My in, heart of hearts says Baldur's, Baldur's Gate, Gate probably deserves it. it. Sure. I mean, Breath of the Wild has earned its spot on the list, at least. Oh. It's mm. it's impressive. It's, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it takes a game dev to, like, to measure which one is, like, more impressive or more deserving because they're both so ambitious in, in like, different directions. Sure, totally. Um, even though we've just like establish that breath of the wild sort of does something or breath of the wild <laughs> tears of the kingdom does some things like more abjectly wrong and also like neither of us have played Baldur's gate three so maybe it does some things wrong too yeah but also on the surface it's like how could it mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah know? all i i'm just excited for to hear the tears of the kingdom theme by the game orchestra in mm. in that medley they do tasty that's my favorite part of every show i don't even care yeah i don't know man good question i think I just hope they all have fun out there. That's all <laughs> I, I hope want. Bo- I hope both teams win. <laughs> I hope everybody wins. I think I do think 
Tears of the Kingdom will probably get like the audience award. Yeah. Which fair. is kind of like going to be the weird divide, maybe. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. We'll see. We'll see. What do you say? We've been here for close to two and a half hours. Um, I feel pretty, pretty tooted out on Tears of the Kingdom, and it's going to be a while before I pick it back up, um, before I feel compelled to touch it again. I gave it my heart and soul for a lot of time and a long time, and again, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the experience while I was playing it. It's just funny what time and context and critical thought can present to my impression of a game especially one that i i a series that i have so much love for i do wish that i i don't think i love this game i don't think i'm in, i don't think i love it i can agree but it is special it's like pretty special we're so conflicted yeah. but it'll be okay yeah i say give it a shot I, I don't think that's a question. With, yeah, I don't even know why I feel... Yeah, give it a... Sh- uh, it's a Zelda game. Yeah. Fucking play it. It's a Zelda <laughs> game. Anyone give a Zelda video game a shot. Uh-huh. Uh, and do yourself a favor. Whatever. Yeah. Alright. Well, alright, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you've made it this far for sticking with us... Godspeed. We, we hope we stimulated your brain in some direction, somehow, throughout this conversation. Because this is... A long time coming for us, and we, we saved up a lot of uh, opinions and, and energy for this. As always, thank you for listening. Find us on Instagram if you want to tag along for some fun posts every once in a while. I, I think we have some good memes in our story, whatever. <laughs> uh, like and subscribe. Follow us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. And share us with your friends. Yeah, tell your friends to give us a listen. Maybe not to this episode, because it's two and a half hours long. You start them off on something easier. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Any closing remarks? No. I think we've talked enough. Fair enough. This has been Nintendo Gems. Thank you again, and we will see you next time. Love you.